Hi, this is Craig Abbott, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Survivor Archives, the only podcast daring to go over the complete history of Australian Survivor all the way from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. We are past the merge. We are getting to the juicy part of Season 1 of Australian Survivor. We are covering all the episodes. And, of course, in between the episodes, we're also chatting to the contestants who played this game 18 years ago. Have to say, today is a very, very exciting episode, one that we've been building up to and one that we are very excited to get to today. Before we introduce our guest, let me first off by starting. My name is Ben, and sadly I don't have any chocolate with me at the moment. Well, Ben, I definitely have some chocolate today, and it's not just any chocolate, it is Black Forest. Hey guys, my name's Matt Dyson, as you know, and what a massive episode we have today. We have... Our, well, I'm not even going to introduce this person. I know I normally do it, but I think I don't think I'm going to do it justice because Ben often gives me credit for tracking down these contestants that played all those years ago back in Whaler's Way, but Ben was the one that uh, did the honours this time. So, Ben, I think you need to uh, do the honours and uh, introduce our our a contestant that we have that we're going to be interviewing today. You, you make it sound like it was hard. Uh, it really wasn't. I looked at Lance's friends on Facebook and there was Craig Abbott. So there he was. So um, uh, I should have really dragged that out and make it seem like it was hard, but it it wasn't that difficult. But uh, no, we, we're thrilled today to be joined by the one, the only former Cleo Bachelor of the Year nominee, one of Who Magazine's Most Beautiful People 2002, uh, the very first ever male jury member in the history of Australian Survivor, and a man that caused a little bit of trouble once he got to the merge, and not just because he was hungry for some Black Forest chocolate. It is the one, the only, Mr. Craig Abbott, the last Kadena member standing. Craig, welcome to Australian Survivor Archives. Good morning. Well, I've got to say, Ben, Matt, it is an absolute pleasure to be on your program. I've been listening since you guys reached out a couple of weeks ago. I haven't been able to sleep, but it's been a good, it's been good. I've I've really enjoyed, uh, and I've got to start off by saying I'm very impressed. For two people who weren't out there uh, in beautiful Whaler's Way, um, but, and, and, you know, and Matt, you've you've been there, so you know it, but your insight, the things you're picking up on uh, what was going on out there, very impressive. You guys are, Pretty good. There's a couple of things we can talk about, but she's pretty bang on. Pretty good. Well, we like to think that, uh, you know, we sort of, for someone that have watched your show and we haven't been there, we, we obviously analyse each episode, but you can't beat the real deal. So having you guys come in and, and actually tell us uh, exactly what went on, that's what we're here to do. And, and I, I know you're going to have plenty of stories to tell. Oh, i got plenty to say. I'm happy to be. I'm pretty uh, an open book. I'm pretty honest. And uh, and I'll, I'll give it to you. So uh, <laughs> don't hold back. Any questions you want, 
Fire away. All right, man. I think we need to scrap these uh, little uh, piss-ass questions we asked before and get to the real juicy stuff. So uh, how long were you and Naomi together? Shall we get to that one straight away? Is that where we want to start with? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, you know, it's it's a, what are we now, 18 years, going on 18 years with our secret love affair. So, um Nah, she's she's great. We'll get she's to that question. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the thing the thing that we've found very interesting in in talking about you this season is that I knew that coming into when we were starting to recap this set, it got to a certain point of the show. It, it really became interesting when you sort of started to stir the pot a little bit at the merge. And we were talking a little bit off air about some of the things that we talked about. We'd mentioned that how it was kind of a bit of a slow build before you kind of came into the show. But I think in the last few weeks, when we've kind of gotten to your episodes, I think Matt and I have discovered that it it was such a great thing that it was a slow build because it kind of worked out better to watch you come to this point where you've just gone, boom, fuck you all, I'm going to go into this and cause all the trouble. And I know we're jumping well into the middle part of this episode right now, but this is still fresh on the mind, Craig. I mean, we're still very much fresh of talking you up a week ago and we were just so excited to be able to get you on the show today. That's, that was the point of where I was going with that point. I think. Well, I, I think though what you like your observations, like I say, being pretty bang on, but I, I remember a lot of people will come up to me after the show and say, Oh, Oh, is, is Sylvan like this? Is Jane like that? Is Katie really like, yes. With survivor, it's, you can't pretend to be someone you're not. And, and my, I've always said to people, like, yeah, you're worried about, oh, my God, when it's going to get edited, what am I going to look like? And uh, Well, they can't edit something you didn't say. And after two days or let's say three days, you, 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 you forget the cameras are there. You, you're focused on the money, the prize. And it, I, do, I don't think there's one of the contestants on the show and how they were perceived as to how the fans asked me about them were that they were ever wrong. So so I can understand by just watching things, you might have seen a slow burn, but it's like a duck. Our legs underwater were going a million miles an hour, and there was a lot of things happening, even if it wasn't in your face, like you perhaps may have seen in Tapara. Don't kid yourself. There was alliances. There was things going on. Well, that's what friendships are. It's just... Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to talk about. I mean, I'm grateful that you were edited, you know, sort of with that slow burn because it's such a big finish for you being the last Kadena member. But I want to bring you back right from the start, from when you the first opportunity you could apply for this show. So at that stage, you you, you wanted to be a contestant. You didn't know that you were going to end up being the last Kadena member, you know, on season one. But what was it about the show that, that drew you to wanting to not only be a part of it, but to put in the effort to... I mean, we know what you did in your application, yeah. so I'd, I'd love to hear all about that. Well, see, and that's what I, I think is funny. Like, uh, hopefully today gives you a little bit of insight into how I think. Um, I do overanalyze things. I read, like, this is my own perception of myself, but, you know... I do overthink things. I overanalyze things. I, I, I feel like I'm a good judge of character and I can read people. But in my mind, I don't show that. I'm not a blah, blah, blah in your face, look at me. It's all ticking over in my head. And I was sitting in the lounge. I'd just come back from traveling overseas for three years. Um, and I was at my dad's place where I grew up and we were watching Survivor. I went, oh, this is fascinating. That Like... Yeah, there's the physicality to it, but it's it's the mind fuck with the you know. I thought, oh, this is fun, you know, a million dollars at stake. This is awesome. I really loved the show, 
And and I still remember that that night when it came on, it said, "If you think what you've you've got, what it takes to be on Australian Survivor, play, boom!" My mind just went a million miles out. But at one hour later, I was in bed and I had already. I thought, right, what am I going to do? I need to find the man that makes the decision. I need to look that person in the eye, a man or woman, and go, "I'm Craig Abbott. I need to be on this. I want it more than anyone. If you tell me." You're not the right person. Piss off! I can walk away, but I'm not just going to do a video and be amongst other thousands. How do I get noticed? How do I get him to meet me and tell me to my face no or yes? And so within an hour, I thought, right, I need to do my video, but I need to physically hand deliver this, and I'm going to send myself, not the video. And that was all in the first hour in bed, and I also had. Five other stunts planned for the week. So, so my mum and I are down in Victoria, and I thought about the box idea. We read in an article that was promoting the show about Stephen Peters. So then we had someone to stalk. We knew he was the boss. <laughs> so I we searched. Uh, my mum used to work in the defence um, for security for the defence forces. So we're sitting there going, oh, "What can we do? And how do we break through the boom gate at Channel Nine? <laughs> and we had a whole heap of fun. The box idea was the first one I came up with, and I, I grabbed the box and built it, and I think there's some pictures. I'll send you some pictures of the box. I, it was about the size of the fridge, and I had a seat and a toilet bottle in there and some water and all sorts of stuff. But I had stunts for every day of the week if the box didn't work. Um, and I don't know if you want me to go into that, how I got to meet Stephen now thing. but I kind of want to know um, these other stunts first. I kind of want to see what the yeah. backup plans were. Well, the backup plans were I was going to be – I found out that his uh, reception – or not reception, his assistant was um, was Prue, and we knew about her. So I was actually going to be – I was going to try and deliver flowers. I was going to be a singing telegram. <laughs> um, I had all these things of how to get to him at Channel 9. And then my last thing was I thought if all else fails – Mum was going to drive up to the front gate. I was going to jump out of the car naked with the video. I was going to run <laughs> under the boom gate and into Channel 9's reception. And I thought, I might get arrested, but at least <laughs> I will get my tape in. So I wasn't going to trust Australia Post. I was, I, I was going to ask you, did you ever think to yourself, this could end up with me in handcuffs heading up to the watch house? Oh, 100%. But you, you had to give it everything. There was no... Like, you just... I had to. I just... I desperately wanted, I wanted it on so bad that I had, and the only way I could sleep at night is if they said to my face, no. Wow. Wow. So with that box then, so you get delivered. Did did you know that Stephen Mm. Peters was there that day? Was it just by chance that he just happened to be there? I mean, how did that all play out? No. See, that was the thing. You talk about, you know, luck in the show. There's luck in getting in as well. At the time, yeah, this was the biggest show. And this is, remember, my recollections of things I've been told by producers and read and whatever. So don't quote me on everything being 100% correct. But I got told that this is the biggest show Channel 9 had ever put together. The secrecy around it, they were actually at a different, a secret location. So Stephen Peters and the crew. Um, from they were in North Sydney somewhere from the start, so they actually weren't even at Channel Nine Studio, so I had no idea. But it was just by chance on the day that I got delivered in the box, he happened to be at the studio, and so 
my mum and I drove up and then we just scouted around the area and found an area in Willoughby near the studios that looked like somewhere we could blend in and be a part of. It was, it was a little commercial business area and there was a sign at a factory and it said something about um, lighting and sound equipment. We thought, oh, this looks legit. So we just parked up there, unloaded the box and I got in. And then mum rings the courier team and so I couldn't get in or out. Once I was in, you were locked in because if they saw a person in there, there's no way they're going to deliver me. So anyway, we called the courier. They come around, they get me, and I could I put handles inside the door because I knew that they would move it, and I, I couldn't move. So I had screwed handles in there. I'd lined it with plastic, and I'd put a little flap that I could look out from just in case. And so I'm sitting on a little chair in there, and you could preempt the guy like a, a ute came with the lowered back and they put me on. Mum gets in the car and bolts off around to Channel 9. It was probably about a half a K away. Anyway, he ties me down. I get in there. I remember going along and I, I remember when we're driving along, I lifted up the flap and looked out the peepholes that I made and I felt like a giraffe going to the <laughs> zoo or something, you know, like it was just bizarre. And I think I'd been in the box for about three to four hours before the courier arrived. And then I got to Channel 9 and I had invoices. I created a fake company. I think it was called Australia Outdoor Leisure and Sporting Goods. And I had three duplicates, you know, for, you know. So I put all that with the clear all on the box. And I could hear them. And I get to Channel 9 they go, oh, well, oh, I got this delivery. Oh, you know where to go around the back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around they go to the loading bay. And then they unload me. And then once it settles down, I look out and I'm in the loading bay. And I can hear these two guys from Channel 9 in the loading bag going, and I see them, I literally see them carrying this big bag of tapes. Well, I didn't know it was tapes, but they go, boom, and he goes, oh, more bloody Survivor tapes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, shit, you know, listen in, I'm going to get some inside. And they're going, oh, God, God, God. And then I'm sitting there, and then probably about an hour, and then all of a sudden I hear them, they ring someone to say this box has arrived for Stephen Peters, and then they hang up. You don't hear anything. Then the next minute I'm sitting there and now he's bang, bang, and they start hitting it with a hammer. But I'd put latches on one side so I could get out if I ever had to. So it was all just luck. I open the latch, I push it out. It literally falls into the arms of this guy and they're looking at me going, what the fuck? <laughs> and the guy's behind him going, what? And I'm sitting there with my tape and I went, Stephen Peters? And he goes, yes. I go, I'm Craig Abbott and here's my application for Survivor. <laughs> and the two dudes behind him are going, oh, this is, you're in, you're in. You're in. <laughs> so what's, what's the chances that Stephen Peters himself was going to open it? He wasn't even based at the studio. So wow. it was meant, it was, maybe it was meant to be. And then afterwards, I remember the publicist runs down, like the news got around there very quickly. And Stephen said to me, oh, the chopper's coming back. We just want to film a little bit for the news. And I went, no, 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 no. I didn't come here for five minutes of fame. I don't want to jeopardise my I just came here to hand this to you. And you watch. He goes, no, 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 no. It's just great. It's great publicity for the show. And I went, as long as it doesn't ruin my chances, I don't want, you know. And he goes, no, no, no. And and I said, oh, I've got. And then when we all wrapped up, I, the chopper came. I did a piece to camera. And that night, you know, in the old days at the end of the news, they'd have a funny little story. Mm-hmm. Well, they used to put it on the thing. And so that night I'm getting calls from my, were you just on a box? We saw you on Channel 9 <laughs> News. Going, uh, uh. So they showed it everywhere but New South Wales because they didn't want every other idiot coming running through the gate. 
Wow. And I said to Stephen, I said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow as I left. He goes, what? I said, I've got some more stunts to do. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I said, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, what else were you going to do? And I told him what I told you guys. And he's like, oh, no, go home. Just pray, go home. I said, you promise you'll watch it? He goes, oh, we'll watch it. I went, right, okay, job done. And I went home. Did Stephen Peters ever say to you afterwards that, that he sort of knew that he was going to have you on the show as soon as he saw that uh, that stunt? No, I don't think so. So um, I'm not sure because I think it probably got me to the next stage to, to when they, you know, you get the questionnaire and, and then after that you get down to about 50 up for the psych testing and stuff. I, th- I think it definitely got me noticed, but I do hear they were still umming and ahhing over who to put in. Like, of course you know they've got 16 profiles on a wall that they want. And I've kind of learnt this all after, but they're obviously going, oh, we want a, you know, an alpha male here, an alpha male there. We want an annoying person here, an annoying person there. They, they're trying to build a, a story. Um, and I just knew that my sort of character, if you want to call it that, would probably be the hardest, like that 20... 20-something, are you a country boy, surfy boy, what are you? There'd be more of those applying than there would be the 50-year-old woman or 50-year-old man. So a bigger pool to pick from, I think. It was harder to get in. With it's your, never a given. With your audition tape, are uh, you electrician and you basically, I guess, blew yourself up? <laughs> what, what was the idea behind yeah. that audition tape? Oh, look, right from the start, it was a family affair. I I sort of tell people it's been like, Survivor's been like a roller coaster ride. I was in the front seat, but everyone came along for the ride. We we have a lot of fun family stories. And and again, it was a bit of strategy with the tape. I thought my my parents had been separated. I grew up on a small surfy town down in Victoria. Um, But then my mum had moved to Melbourne and lived on a farm. So we, I shot half of it on the farm. And I shot half of it down the beach to cover both bases. I said, if they're looking for a country kid, which I wasn't, they could probably interpret that and go, oh, yeah, he's on the farm. He's sitting on a tractor. And I was an electrician and I built that um, switchboard. My brother was on the other side with a hammer. We'd put some talcum powder in there and I got a bit of fishing line around the screwdriver I had. And I think my mum was pulling that. And we filmed it, and when I said, when my brother hits the back of the thing with the hammer, pull the thing and the paddle. So we created what looked, tried to look like an explosion. And so I had the whole – I wanted to give him two options, the, the country boy or the coastal boy. Take your pick. I'll, I'll do either. What was the feeling like when you got the phone call? I'm assuming it was either a phone call or a letter to say yeah. that you've, you've got to that next stage. Yeah, I, I, was, I remember sitting in a cafe with my – stepbrother and that's when um, Prue rang and she rang and just said I hope you're sitting down I think very similar to Naomi when she was in the car um, and uh, sat down and they just said congratulations you're in and I just went yeah shit yeah all right let's go when when let's yeah it was exciting and I remember my brother because it was that whole secrecy thing we had to sign contracts and I got a I even got told after the show might be in your best interest to make your number silent so my dad's phone number we had to make it a silent number and all these things you just didn't know what to expect but you couldn't tell anyone but everyone had knew that I'd applied because the box thing and so my stepbrothers are going you're in aren't you and like how can you hide that when you've just got the phone call but 
but it was pretty much just kept amongst the family and no one else knew, but a lot of people were guessing. And when you take off for a few months, they kind of put two and two together. Which it was very interesting, actually, saying about how a lot of people would have seen you on the news. They wouldn't have gotten away with that today with the internet and forums and speculation because <laughs> you would have been probably re- the first one revealed all of a sudden if you'd gone missing, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, of very different times and I... I've been quite fascinated listening to your podcast because I haven't watched, for no other reason, I, I never watched Our Survivor since it aired because I've been waiting to watch it with my kids when they're old enough. I, I haven't watched any of the Channel 10 stuff. Um, I watched, obviously, some of the American before, and I think I might have watched one or two after. Um, but it's just very different times. And even the contestants, like... I probably shouldn't comment because I haven't watched the Australian one and I do feel like I hear it's rating it really well and everyone loves it. But but when I hear you talk about some of the contestants and they they pl- not play up to the camera but they're, they're making a character and they're thinking about life after it. And I hear a lot of people on reality now get picked by their following on Facebook or, or other, you know, I don't even follow half of that stuff, but it's like if you've got, you know, 300,000 followers, well, you're in. So I get why the networks do that. They want ratings, but back then it was raw survivor. It was the real survivor. It was this is about the game, not the show. Like the game is in winning for the contestant. It was, to me, it feels a bit too, it sounds a bit too showy, but, but I, you know, I could be wrong if I watched one of the episodes. Well, the unique thing about your season and and the Australian version is there's been seven seasons in total. Only three of them have been completely just standard, everyday Australians. Every other season has featured celebrities in some form. Season two was obviously entirely celebrities. Two of the Channel 10 seasons were champions versus contenders. So you had 12 normal Australians versus 12 so-called celebrities and then you obviously had all-stars so it is it's also almost an australian sort of thing i think as well where the majority of our seasons have have featured some form of celebrity making up you know part or all of the cast yeah see i kind of like well celebrities whatever i mean i do like it if it's just I, i to me i always thought well i never thought about the show as as a as a viewer because, like I said, my focus was the game. But but I'm imagining the appeal is watching the everyday person. It could be you. could be the person next door doing it. Like, not not a celebrity. Who gives a shit about a celebrity having a crack at it? And, and like, when they do the Channel 10 one, and I, I have only seen sort of the commercials, and they go, all-star. And I just remember thinking, all-star? You've only had three episodes. Like, how can you be regurgitating, like... I don't know. It's just a very different different format by the sounds of things and different game. I think that's what makes your season, you know, such a, a great part of Australian Survivor history because for you guys, and, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but for, but for you guys it's about the adventure, it's about living it tough and seeing how far you can get on the show. I knew on my season, obviously I was on a Champions vs. Contenders season, even though I was in the Contenders trial, I knew straight away, okay, Within the first day, I, this person's here for to get more social media likes. You know, this person's here because they want to try to get further. You know, outside the game, like you, you can pick those people straight away where you yeah. wouldn't have had any of that. Like for you guys, it was about not only winning the money, but but living it tough and the adventure as well. Yeah, you're almost well. 
No, you are right. I was going to say you're almost right. I've got to remember that's just how I think. I didn't think about, I didn't give a shit about Channel 9's show or how it rated. I was there for a million dollars, end of story, and I'd stab you in the back and cut your throat if necessary. I didn't care if I was popular or not. And I thought that's just how Survivor contestants would be. But I do remember thinking with Sylvan and when he, like, when it was getting, as, as we're sucking as a tribe and we're just losing everything, I'm thinking, shit, shit, what am I going to do? And I knew Sylvan, and it, we'll get to Sylvan soon, but um, I thought that, you know, that he, with some of his comments, he was there to publicise his book. Like, he, he wanted to be, what was it? What's the bloody Harry Potter? J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. He thought he was going to be the next big thing. And I was thinking, what can I do to get Sylvan to not give up on us now? And I was like, mate, you're doing a show. There's an immunity challenge. There's a, you know, there's a rewards challenge. We get like five seconds of time. If, if, if another episode might sell you another thousand books, like, I was trying to find, like, you know, if you if you're if you think you, this is going to lead to you selling books, stay in longer with me. Come on, let's let's go. I was trying to find what drove him to get him. I needed Sylvan. Deb Deb was right. He his physicality was great. Sylvan's off in Sylvan's fantasy world. You got to <laughs> love him for it. But he's also like when he needed to get um, physical, he did. He did pull his finger out and have some decent goes, but I should have, I should have, I regret not doing the challenge, the the bungee challenge thing. And I just, personally, I just felt like I knew that I had, I knew I wanted it more. And I, there was no one there that I didn't think I could beat physically. Um, But so Sylvan did have a good crack, but I think he was, he was certainly motivated around his book and what might come afterwards, I thought. We definitely will be talking about Sylvan, don't worry. He's, he's usually one of the two names I bring up pretty quickly, just like Matt actually hasn't brought up David yet, but I'm sure we'll get to, to David. In, I will. In the, the, once you sort of get through that phase, uh, you know, through to the next level, you go through all the questionnaire. Um, did, was there any fun stories from that process before you eventually got that final call to, to say that you were on the show that you remember? Well, my name was Tom Short. That was my alias. Right, good. Well, I'm liking this. This We're <laughs> so, getting everyone's fake names. I'm enjoying this. We'll have to start yeah, calling you by so, your fake names, I think. So up I flew, Tom Short, to uh, yeah to North Sydney, and you had to do your questionnaires and the psych testing. And, and that this is how it, the game was on then for me. I didn't realise that I'm an idiot compared to everyone else because – you got told to stay in your room and don't go talking to people and we'll come get you when we're doing your interviews. I was sitting in my jocks with my clothes folded on the bed waiting. Going, right, you've got to be ready. They could come now. Maybe it's now. And I'm sitting there. Going, Apparently the others rang the producer. I'm going to go for a walk and they'll get now. And I sat in my bloody room for however many days. I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> but I was so, oh, i gotta, I got to be on. Um and because you didn't know who was a contestant and who was a producer and who might be tricking you. And, and I, I don't know, it was all fascinating. And, you know, you do your interviews and you tell your stories. And I remember telling the producers a few stories and, and um, yeah, uh, it, it was fun. But um, I, I, do, I do remember I did hear when we, we all got taken away, I don't know what stage if all 50 got drug tested 
or when they were getting down. But one person who was going to get on didn't pass a drug test, so they didn't get on. It wasn't I don't know Sylvan, who it was it? He didn't sort of you know, slip him a few bucks <laughs> under the table to get on the no, show. Sylvan was busy roofing everybody. Getting yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> he got through the test. He snuck them in his pockets out the whaler's way, yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew which ones to take that were clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating with all of that, too, because... Um, it's it's interesting sort of from that moment you're saying about how kind of you, you were there in, in game mode and everything. And, and do you go into those interviews then, I guess, highly tuned thinking then about like what do they want to hear or are you just being more yourself or is it a combination nah, of both? No, not for me. I'll definitely be yourself. I'm just wired that way to just, I, I don't know, maybe I overthink things. But but I knew, like I said with the tape, I if, if I got told I wasn't the right person for the show, I could live with that. But I just needed that opportunity. So whenever they ask anything, as you guys will, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, no, I've got nothing to hide. Like, I am who I am. And if people don't agree, that's okay. But if they interpret me differently, that's fine. But but I'll just give an honest answer. So even so much so, I remember I sitting, Stephen Peters would have been there and two of the other producers who I think would have been the senior ones probably – Ask me a question, what's the most, what's the worst thing you've ever done? I still remember the shock on this woman's face when I said it. And then I had to go, oh, pushed a kid out of a wheelchair. And she just <laughs> went, what? Because oh. like, it's something I remember as a young kid being around a group of kids. I didn't do it, but I was there and I, it's always bothered me. And I just came straight out with it. She's, and I said, look, no, I've got to, I've got to tell I didn't push him out of the wheelchair. I saw it happen. I, and anyway... That's me. I'll tell. And I don't care. So I think I don't know at what point they said, "Ah, oh, this is the guy for us." I do know Stephen said um, to me at one point. One thing they did think: if this guy is prepared to send himself in a box and do these things, he's probably prepared to do anything on the show. And I think that was definitely in the, playing on their mind. Talking about being prepared, we've heard some great stories. We, we heard Naomi talk about in her interview about how um, she. Uh, prepared with the show by going to a, a fish shop and learning how to fill the fish and and training. Yeah. Like, what was your preparation for the show? Oh, very similar to what Lucinda said. I was interested to hear hers because a lot of these people remember we've I've never spoken to them since. Um, I, from the day I heard, I hit the gym six days a week. I reckon I ate my weight in bloody protein powder. Um, because I just and I also started reading a heap of books. I read stuff by Indigenous Australians on how to kill a snake and and uh, how to identify where the venomous points are and what could you eat. And I I just had this view that I couldn't live with myself if some other person ran faster than me, lifted something heavier than me, or was more valuable than me to the tribe by killing us. I just had to prepare as much as I possibly could. Um, so yeah, I hit the gym. Like I, I felt like at the time I was the strongest I'd ever been. I'd read every book. I, I definitely took it like there is a definitely an element of survival, like, but that would just be the value you brought to the tribe. So I'd learned, I, you know, I wanted to kill the emus out there, the snakes and everything. But unfortunately, when we got, before we got off the bus, the commando guy, um, Sean, I think his name was came on and gave us a briefing, like a bit of a safety briefing. And one of his comments was, we're not allowed to kill any native wildlife. I went, oh, yeah, well, 
bugger. I was going to kill the snakes and the emus if we could catch one. Uh, yeah, so the game was on yeah, eight months before the show. It was just the minute you, that came on the TV, I was in game mode. I also believe you studied videos of the Bush Tucker man. You also did a corporate memory course, and you even taught yourself to weave baskets. Yeah. You you clearly thought you were going somewhere tropical. I did, yeah. <laughs> I did. I learned how to weave. Like, I got a thing I had in Australia, but how to weave baskets to make, like, a crab pot or a fishing net. So all the different shapes you could make if it was in a river or if it was the ocean. Yeah, I did. I did. I see some pretty stupid things. What was that, that moment like when you got that phone call, though? Like, when before all this started, when you actually, and, like, all this effort, putting yourself in a box, that, that moment you saw that thing, it all paid off. You were on the show. Yeah, see, I think, other than the call, between the call and the show, I reckon I must have been floating on cloud nine or something because I can't remember that bit. Other than, I can't, I can't honestly say I knew I was going to get on all the way and I knew I was going to win right from the start. Only one person can say that, and that's Rob. But I certainly felt that way. Like, I guess, you know, you go into it visualising nothing else but you standing there getting your names read out and that you've won. Um, So, yeah, I I honestly, the bit from the phone call to actually going is a blur. But I can remember from the airport, I remember Tullamarine Airport and flying to to, uh, Adelaide. I remember everything from that point on. Well, we'll get to that because we always like to get the, the, the location reaction. But the one thing I wanted to quickly ask, I believe you each had to submit three ideas for a luxury item. Yours ended up being a Rubik's Cube. Can I ask the idea mm. behind that and what the other two were that you submitted? When I was travelling overseas, there was a girl who taught me how to do the – I saw her with the Rubik's Cube and I was like, I didn't know anyone knew how to do that. <laughs> and uh, she taught me how to do it in under two minutes. Wow. I was fascinated by it. And I just remember, and, and her and I were quite close, like just going through the process. And a bit like David Hass with his um, uh, his chess set, it was, you know, I thought that was a clever idea. Like I thought the Rubik's Cube might do the same, might give me one-on-one time. Um, and I knew it was something, unlike Naomi's, I did kind of predict we're going to be lethargic and tired. We're not going to kick the footy too long, but... To sit there and do the Rubik's Cube might be something easy to do and, and get close to people. But the other two items, I can't bloody remember, to be honest. Sorry. Uh, we always, we, it we should be asking that every week, Matt. That... We should be finding that out from other people. <laughs> did, did, did it help at all when you first met your tribe, having a Rubik's Cube? Did it help sort of get some conversations nah, it going? bloody useless. It was bloody useless. <laughs> I should have thrown it in the ocean. <laughs> Your game, like the game was being played from day one. No one had the energy to think about a chess game or a Rubik's Cube. It's too bloody hard. We, we, we were talking about the, your first impression of the tribe, but before we get to that, what was your first impression of Whaler's Way? We know Survivor was always, and, and we always <laughs> ask, like Ben said, we always ask all the contestants about this because it is a big talking point of your season, the fact that it was still in Australia. It was at Whaler's Way, which was like the most freezing it had been in oh. 40 years. But when you found out that you were not leaving Australia, you mentioned that you, you're a traveller, and I know you've travelled since, but that that's the big appeal about being on Survivor, isn't it? You're going to be on some fancy yeah. beach in Fiji or Vanuatu. Oh, 100%. Or... You're going to be around some pretty cute-looking girls in their bikinis. You're going to be <laughs> hanging out in your board shorts. Like, the, 
every other episode, the water's just there, you're camped right on it, it's somewhat of a bit of a holiday. But I still hadn't given up when we were in Adelaide that they weren't tricking us and that we were going to fly international somewhere. But, oh, what a disappointment. Like, bloody Port Lincoln. Sorry, people in Port Lincoln, lovely people, especially the uh, shout-out to that couple that looked after me. But, gee, and it was miserably cold, even if, uh, like, I found it interesting, Deb's comments for and Lincoln. I, his, his episode was fascinating. Um it wasn't picturesque. It didn't look good on TV, and it was a shithole to be in. But I also was okay with that because I thought the tougher it is, like I like Stephen's approach, make it tough. Yeah, hundred percent back him on that one. Um, but his job, I guess, is still to make it look good. Um, and I and I do know that the weather was pretty bad to how it normally is, but. But it was disappointing, to be honest, and and it was also disappointing when I heard it was only five hundred thousand bucks. But it didn't really matter. But but at the time, thinking, oh, because you're used to the American, you're comparing everything to the American million dollars, million dollars, you know, Tahiti, wherever. And um, but I do hear the Americans get taxed on their winnings, yeah. whereas we got we get it tax free. So it's probably not too much of a difference. The thing that I mean, we haven't really talked a whole lot about the prize money but that was a big talking point i remember at the time when a lot of people were criticizing mm. your season a lot of people criticized well it's only half a million the americans do it for a million i think like at that time mm. though in, in reality tv was still very fresh i think big brother was only doing two hundred thousand at the time they eventually did a million for like a couple of seasons that's right that's but right. um i mean it was a while because i think who wants to be a millionaire at that point hadn't even given away a million so it had never been done on australian tv so that would have been groundbreaking but i still think five hundred thousand at that time was a think still kind of groundbreaking even though it would have been oh, disappointing for you guys i, I would have done it for a hundred thousand i i would have to me, I don't know. My dream was I'm going to get on this, I'm going to win it, and then American Survivor is going to invite me to a winner's Survivor down the track. Like I just was thinking big, but because of the game, I like you two. I have the love for that game. Like I'd, I'd go out there in a second, heartbeat. I'd drop. See, family, I'm gone again. <laughs> uh, it's a brilliant game. Uh, I'd have to watch the new ones now because it's a very different game. Like I was watching it when you still had these hidden immunity stuff and things. I, I think they're great, but it even sounds like it's evolved a hell of a lot more since then too with what you've been saying about the Channel 10 one. Incredibly. It's, yeah, and it, it is, you would be blown away with just how, how different it is. And, and it's kind of weird because Matt and I are, are day one viewers. We've watched this show since the very first season in 2000 on the US but we live in this day and age now where you've got young kids who are growing up on this newer version. So they'll go back and watch your season, yeah. old American seasons, and think, what the hell is this? This isn't Survivor. This is strange. Whereas for Matt and I, we kind of say today Survivor, like, yeah, it's, it's evolved. But to me, I personally, I prefer the old school. So it's like, this is weird. Well, Ben, I'd love to see you on it. I'd love to see with all the knowledge you've got. I'd be and, first, boo. Uh... I'd join Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the thing is now that... If you were going on a Channel 10 version now, you wouldn't waste your time reading up the Bush Tucker Man because that means nothing. It's got nothing to do with the game yeah. anymore. The survival part, it means nothing. Yes, you've got to still live off rice and beans, and but they do get a lot more reward. Yes, they they lose a lot of weight, but it's nothing like what you had to go to, go through. And it's certainly... The game is just completely different. Now it's all about how social you can be. It's all about if you... As soon as you hit the beach... 
get to know everyone as soon as you can and if you can be fake, if you have to be with someone, do that because it's not about no one cares about how many fish you can catch or you know how good you cook yeah, the rice. Right. It mean it means nothing. Right. Yeah, see. And and I've got to be honest, I don't know how well I'd do it that then. Because at my like the people side of it, yeah, I definitely I, I feel strong in that area as well. But I also felt like, oh, look, if I can not be too much of a dick out there and not rub people the wrong way, lay low, just be nice, be yourself, surely they won't get rid of you early because you're bringing a physicality to these challenges. And the game is nothing if you can't get through those challenges. There were no hidden immunities. There were no, uh, there was nothing. There was no lifelines. It was about your survival skill. Well, not so much as survival skills. They weren't going to let you die of starvation, I guess. But, yeah, a lot really did re- rely on how well you could hold yourself together un- under extreme circumstances. Like We were sleep-deprived. It was so bloody cold. We were only getting what the Geneva Convention says for a prisoner of war with rice. Like, it's it's about a, a, a dry... Your, if you put your palm out and fill it up with dry rice, apparently that's what they were giving us every three days. So I love Stephen that he made it hard because to me that's what I was expecting and it, and it really challenges you. Can you still do all those social games and be the nice guy and all the things they have to do today under extreme circumstances? Now it sounds very much like a social project and a popularity competition but also maybe... But it's that cutting your throat and stabbing someone in the back. Like, that's all part of the game too. But it it seemed to be more heavily weighted towards that from what you're saying. Well, I think the thing that we talked a lot about with you, and we'll get to this as we talk more about your game, is that we've we've often said that you were ahead of the time of Survivor because you're right, there's, there's a lot of social elements today, but I would argue that today it's all heavily focused towards blind sides and causing big moves and alliances and shifting things. Whereas I think kind of when you were playing, you know, it was more about loyalty, you know, things like tribal bonds that emerged clearly, as you would know, were very important. You know, that was called a pagonging, basically. Kadena had no chance at the merge because Tapara were going to stick together. It doesn't happen today. It's very rare that that would ever happen again today because people... You would have gotten Lance. You would have gotten Joel. Shona would have come to you. They would have all switched alliances. No one sticks together anymore. So this is where, to us, someone like you with the stuff that you were trying to pull is very ahead of the times for when you played Survivor. Well, I think, and this is the thing, I I remember David Hass made a comment, which I kind of found funny because he said, oh, I think he said something like, oh, Craig looks like a stay-at-home kind of guy. Not like something like that. He said he's like, what was his comment? So it was something about he stays at home or he hasn't lived too much or something like that. And I was like, dude, you're so wrong. Like it's your life skills, I think, and your people skills and just the stuff you've been through. I I think David's right. If you are one of those people, pretty green and you've stayed at home, you haven't experienced too many ups and downs. You're James, 100%. (laughs) James, oh my God! We were all pissed off that Jane got further than us. Lovely Jane. I love how Jane's still wearing dangly earrings in Survivor. Like Jesus. <laughs> but but I think it's that it is. It's being able to read people. And I like I'd been. I thought that I thought that was funny that David perceived me that way because he couldn't be more wrong. I've been in 
I've had a gun in my stomach in Brazil, a knife in my neck in Peru, and in in Haiti I was escorted by the UN back to the Dominican Republic. So I'd been, I've seen a lot of fun stuff, and all of those skills to me were more important than the training in the gym and reading the books. They were just things to add value to me to the team. But the minute you got to to Para, you could. Well, I felt like I was reading like a book. You could see what was going with Rob and Katie in particular. And and I knew David was not a big fan of me and nor was I of him. And I was disappointed in his in his interview that he didn't give it to me. Like, lovely, <laughs> go have a beer with him. I can't wait for the 20-year reunion and I hope we can all have a laugh. But um, it's the life skill stuff that, that sets you up. And, and yeah, I, I would go in today's game. I'd love it because I'd love to see if I could... Um, you know, if I could hold up with them. I think first impressions can definitely hurt you in the game. And, and I think I can talk about that more than anyone being a first boot. But it's not until you get further in the game that you actually get to know people. And obviously when, when David said that about you, he didn't, he didn't know about all your travelling and all the stories that you had to tell. But what was your first impressions of the other seven Kadena members? And maybe even your whole first impression of the whole cast on day one? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think when you get off the bus, if we're talking that early, um, I didn't um, – you're summing up everybody. Yeah, you're looking at the other tribe, and instantly I think I was on board with the Kadena guys, as in I instantly thought, well, shit, we look younger and fitter and stronger. That's a good sign because you're going to win immunity. Like, how wrong were we? But I do know – so, so from that point of view, yeah, I was a bit frustrated. Like, you know, in the first challenge, we're all standing around. Like the Kadena dynamics, this is the one thing I'll say to all of our tribe. We are all, we've all probably sat there and analysed what we should have and could have done. But the dynamics of Kadena is all of us put together. I hope no one's got any regrets, but they learnt some stuff. Like I learnt some valuable life lessons through my time on Survivor, which I love. Um, I have no regrets and I'm not disappointed. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. But we've, we've only got ourselves to blame for the way we played it. I, I still am confused today as to why. And when you look at um, Tapara and you think, well, it's just the dynamics. It's who we were. If you, didn't, if you didn't step up, if you didn't form alliances, if you didn't do these things, just you've got to look yourself in the mirror. And right off from the start, no one wanted to put their hand up, me included. I was like, I'm thinking, shit, 27, strong, I need to be fit, I need to bring that to the tribe, stay low, stay under the radar, you're not better than anyone else, so don't, you know, don't, you know, anyone deserves to win. So just be yourself. But no one wanted to make a bloody decision. And like that first one to swim out to the pontoon, it's like, you know, they do edit things because you'd be bored shitless if you listen to me talk like we are today. But it cuts over and go, oh, Craig's at the beach, I'll go. Well, that coastline was like, I grew up on that coastline. I could have swam out there, no problems at all. No one put their hand up. So I, I, that was, it was more the dynamics of the tribe that I noticed straight away. It was a bit, it was frustrating. But you just go along with it. Um, I didn't really think anything of the people until after a day or two, you know, I think Lucinda did rub people the wrong way uh, early on, but that was just because she was outspoken and she had some confidence and it was great about her. But 
it was just not how the others wanted to play it. Like, I was amazed that she had no idea what Survivor was about. Like, that fascinated me. I just thought everyone was on there because they loved the show. But she said she had no idea that that was part of the game. So I found that interesting. One thing that we've talked a lot about in doing these recaps, and I had a lot of fun with it, let's be honest, we can even get you to sing the song if you really want to, Craig, is the famous five. Now, yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective, oh. the, the discussion. Was this a thing? Was this, And if it was, was it formed on no. day one or was it not a thing? No, I just, the famous five thing kind of irks me a bit because there was never any a conversation that I'm aware of to say let's vote out the old people. So Tim... Lucinda and David, you're not old, you're 34. I don't know why you think you put yourself in that category, but for Tim and Lucinda, there was never a get rid of the old people. I, um, and I'm still, when we get to it, I don't know why the hell they voted the way they did, but that's just, that's the game, right? But um, I always knew, right from the start, I thought Deb and Sylvan were together. Naomi and I were together. Um and I did that because strategically, like, yeah, Naomi was a nice girl, but she was the strongest female in that tribe, I thought. Um, when she could kick a footy, who doesn't love a girl that can kick a footy properly? And I she goes like, for oh, a good girl's... AFL team, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, no, I see, I go for Geelong, so I go, can't get... Can't <laughs> not the worst one, team in but... the world, not the best, though. We'll give you that. <laughs> but Naomi Same colours. Like that, but that, these are the sort of things you're picking up on, as you know, Matt. Day one, you're going, yeah. shit. It may be stupid, but this is how Naomi's kicking a football. She's coordinated. She's physical. She's strong. That's a woman I want to be with. Okay, so we've got some things in common. Bang, that was easy. And it was a genuine friendship. I knew when I said to Naomi, I won't vote you. I, I wouldn't. And I meant it. The others, I'll tell you whatever you needed to hear. But I thought Karen was with Deb and Sylvan. So... When David and that and, and, and sort of Tim as well, I wish Tim had told me about his mongrel. He said, he's, oh, there's a mongrel in me. I'm like, oh, Tim, I loved Tim, yet we didn't talk too much. But I didn't know about his passing until last week till you guys contacted me. And what's his wife, Jenny? Or Jenny. I just want to send my condolences to that family. Tim was an amazing man. And we only knew these people for a short time. But when she said about what he was like, and how he mentors young men and did all that stuff. I just, that really resonated with me because I've got a guy who's older than me who I have, who's very much like Tim. And I would have loved to have had a beer with Tim. I just wish he'd played the game. Like he was doing, he was doing what everyone else was doing. Oh, okay. No one said you can't say the word alliance. Um, and no one, like, but the alliances were happening just by friendships. And I don't know why. I wish Tim had to come to me because. I would have. Lo I, I've said to Naomi, I'd love it to have been Tim, Naomi, and I, and we would have. That would have been my alliance if I know what I know today. But it's in hindsight, it's an easy thing. It must have been hard for Tim because he's just seen Lucinda go first, an mm. older lady on the tribe. You know, there was five twenty-year-olds in Kadena. He was the oldest on the tribe, so I mean, he must have felt. And, and, and you admitted it just then that you didn't have a lot of conversations with him on the time during that time on the show. So he must have been feeling a bit vulnerable. He, here he is, a 51-year-old guy on a tribe full of 20-year-olds. Yeah, but when you're vulnerable on Survivor, you start playing the game. You reach out. 
Now, he may have with others, but I don't know. Um, and, like, don't get me wrong, all the conversations that we're having were just polite, friendly conversations, no real game playing. But, and it wasn't like in though at that early stage I'd said to Naomi, I won't vote for you, you won't vote for me. But it was just the game was on from the minute you got there and friendships are alliances. So if you're feeling a bit out, I was like, you know, get, bring that monkey, Tim. I was like, go for it. Like, you know, you were seeing it in Tapara, but I just don't understand. I don't even to this day understand why the dynamics of Kadena were that way. You're mentioning about how but, friendships can even be alliances. And I mean, that was even in your, your boot episode. And sort of when you got to the merge, you know, we, we heard you talking a lot about that to people like Joel and to Lance. And we sort of mentioned before about how it seemed there was a bit of a slow burn until we got up to what we eventually saw with you. Was that kind of how you were playing or was it just more of a case of you were being observational and it's just, it's just how it happened? It kind of you were more ob- observing people, you formed that close bond, sh- bond with Naomi, but you you weren't going out of your way to try and form things? I mean, you mentioned how alliance wasn't yeah. a dirty word, but, I mean, it didn't seem to well, happen on Kadena. you expected it. No, you're right. Like, it's probably the latter part of your question. It's like it just played out that way and... I was just trying to lay low, not think I was better than anyone else and be a leader or tell people what to do. And um, and I think we all just knew that the most important thing, the only way any of us are going to make this is to, is to come together as a team. And I think it was just a natural thing that we thought, well, none of us wanted to rock the boat um, because if we all stay friends and we all fight harder together we'll be stronger and and we can worry about backstabbing each other when we get when we're the majority with the merge um and and so that's how it played out but but i and why the it unfolded the way it did is i honestly just think they wanted it more my view and there's a whole heap of, i took so many notes listening to the first three episodes which i've just watched before i spoke to you because i needed to refresh my mind just to that point to make sure that my mind, I haven't gone insane. But, and some of the comments, like, there's little things that I just pick up on, like, for instance, and it's not a go at Deb or anyone, but Deb said, oh, like, I'm with, I'm with um, uh, Naomi's recollection. She goes, you know, at, at, at different stages, they all sort of were happy to go, but not really. Everyone wanted to win, but you, you should never be happy to go. And I know Deb had a, an unfortunate thing with her ankle and she said, you know, oh, well, you know, maybe it's best I go. Look at Jeff, bless him. We love Jeff. He, he makes the comment, if my foot falls off, I'll run on my stump. And <laughs> that's a perfect example. Like Sylvan with his books, I'm ready to go. Even Karen, oh, well, I've done my time. We're going to get beaten. Like Sylvan said, oh, well, you know, I knew what the outcome was. No, you don't. How do you know they weren't going to do five and five? And Sylvan said, oh, if they'd done that, I would have been pissed. This was your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Don't go out not knowing what could happen. With Fight to the very bloody end. And that's what I reckon Tapara had in them as a majority. You know, there's others that weren't. But you can actually look at Tapara and Kadena, in my view, and you can pretty match up every sort of person. Like, Lucinda could have been my Shona. 
if I happen to want to be the Rob character, like if I was lucky enough, you know, you could mix it up, you know, uh, Lance was your, was David, like, or whatever. You could, you know, so it, it's just the way it was. It's it's just how it played out. It's funny. Was you mentioned about Jane. Can I just cast that quickly? Was Sylvan <laughs> Jane on your tribe? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, maybe Sylvan and Lance. Right. Jane and Karen. I'll say Jane and Karen there. Sorry, okay. Karen. But, right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Craig, you mentioned about Kadena members sort of giving up a little bit too much and not fighting to the end. Now, I'm... All the listeners know that I'm going to bring up this guy's name. You mentioned him before, David Haas. Of course, you know I'm a big David Haas fan. Now in that, this is a lo- this is a longevity. What's wrong with you this week? Come on! I've been, waiting. I've been waiting for the opportunity to slip it in, but he did it. He did appear to to want to be there and to want to fight to the end. He was trying to get Karen, um, Deb. He was trying to get them to sort of turn yep. on you guys. What yep. was it about David? One that you didn't work with him, and what was your in- impression of his game and how he was playing it well can i put a question back to you because i've been listening to your (laughs) podcast fascinated and when i said earlier you're bang on and then there's some things you're not like i I know you got a man crush and it's great and david is a great but when you say he's one of the greatest what what do you guys use um third boot He's one of the greatest third. What is it that you saw that you thought made him so great? To me, I think it was the fact that, and, and this could just be from the edit, and, and that's what we're, we're talking to you today to hopefully clear all this up, but it appeared that he actually did want to play the game. He wanted to strategize. You know, he, he says it in to the camera in one of his confessionals that, like, you know, he, he's here to, he's sick of the niceness. He, he was, he'd had a gut full of the niceness by day three. And yeah. he, he would do great in a modern-day era. And I know you haven't watched Survivor for a long time, but that's how you've got to go into Survivor now. You're not, you can't be sitting there playing nice for the first week. You know? like, you've got to start trying to, especially if you're in the minority, you've got to start working out, okay, who can I try to get on my side to turn? So he did that. He, you could see him talking to Deb. You could see him talking to Karen saying, hey, if, if I go – you're mm. going to be next. And he was correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you guys, I think you call them confessionals now, right? The piece to cameras bit. Yeah. Um, what you say in a confessional and what you do on in the game are two different things. And I noticed that probably the most with David. And, and look, I am mindful. These are, we are all blessed, 16 people who got to share this experience. And I hope there is a 20-year reunion. We can all sit down and have a beer. But the David thing, and I, and I might be reading into it because I don't want to wish any harm on, or I don't want to open wounds for people. Like I, th- I think David said in his that he, uh, he hadn't watched the show, hadn't talked about it for a couple of years, and I mean I got out and talked about because I was so excited, loved it. So it is a different experience for different people. But when I heard David's. Oh, it infuriated me listening to him. I, I thought David was going to have a good crack at me, so I was a bit disappointed. Going, no, come on! Like David and I knew we didn't gel. Now he said something. I did laugh when he goes, "Oh, I think Craig was intimidated because I was in IT." I was like, "Has anyone been intimidated by an IT?" Jesus Christ! I didn't know they were so intimidated. He's, he's, he's probably a very good IT guy. 
<laughs> well, I didn't have a mobile or a phone, so I had no connectivity issues. I don't know what I was going to be worried about. But, um, <laughs> but like, bless him, I just thought, David, you're, you're saying all this stuff, but shit, I saw this. Survivor is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And like I said, I will cut your throat. I'll stab you in the back. I don't care if I'm the most hated person on TV. You're there to win. And people will say that. And David, nothing added up with him. I'm looking at this guy. He's built like a brick shithouse. His boobs were bigger than most of the girls on the show. Like, <laughs> you're looking at this guy going, this guy's going to be a physical strength. Look at him. But he, he never was. And he was sick. And he's moping around about this, that, and the other. And that's all fine. So he was rubbing people the wrong way when you've got a tribe. He wasn't reading the tribe. Like, his first boot, he wants to get rid of Karen. The very next episode, he's trying to align with her. Like, I don't think he knew what he wanted. But the most frustrating thing I heard about him was he says he's not, like, a drinker and he obviously works out the gym. Your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be on your A-game for half a million dollars. And the night before, you go out on the piss <laughs> and hit the town. What are you – sorry, Dave. What are you freaking thinking? I, I kid you not, I was sitting in my hotel room in my jocks Waiting to go because you had to go do all those piece accounts. I ordered steaks. I was like, like same as Deb. I ordered pasta, steaks. I was hydrating. You're just doing all this shit because you're like, freaking hell, I can't ruin this opportunity. And he goes out on the piss and then he says in his interview, oh, I forgot to eat that morning, same as Sylvan. And I'm like, this is the difference between Kadena and Tapara. And you're like, David, that was self-inflicted. We needed you. We needed those pecs. And you had to sit out the first challenge because you went on the piss. What are you thinking? He'll, he'll probably make good fun for the reunion, uh, 20-year reunion now. If <laughs> I you know, like, like he's <laughs> going to kill me. But, it's <laughs> yeah, like... but if he's prepared to get on the piss the night before playing a game for half a million, imagine him at a 20-year reunion on the piss. He'll, I, oh, I, I, I know. Like, but but, but that's, that's just where my head's at. Like, we... David and I were so different and and it, and the other stuff, like it's brutal. Like I'll go through the reason I voted him, like even my confessionals, right, David says things like, oh, I was worried about the show and how it was looking, so I even spoke to the producers. I was more on their side. I'm like, I don't give a shit about the show, David. The producers to me were contestants. I told them stuff all. Because I thought they're just going to tell David things and the other contestants things and ruin my chance and, and, and uncover my game plan. I saw them as much as the game as the contestants. David saying I was worried about how the show's going to look. I didn't care about the ratings. Play the game. You're there to win. And, um, and what was the other? And then and it's brutal. So when the big, the big shock I got, and, and Jenny, like if, t if Tim was around, I had no idea they were voting for Tim. I thought that was the biggest stuff up. Tim was strong mentally. He was. He should have been with us there to guide us through. Like I thought, you know, and I thought David. I'm. I wasn't meant to be the leader. I mean, some some people like Lucinda and oh, and David. So oh, yeah, Craig was the leader. I'm, I wasn't a leader. I wasn't better than anyone else. I didn't see myself as a leader. That's for sure. I didn't want to be one. I thought. 
I was 27. David's 34, built like a brick shithouse. I thought he would be the alpha male or Tim would lead. I just wanted to just lay low and help out. But um, And then when he voted, so when they voted, because I thought Deb and Karen and Sylvan were together, I didn't speak to Naomi about votes. But when I look at the votes on the second one, and they all vote for Tim, and there was a comment, I think, from Karen about Tim. So I don't know if Karen had a bit of influence with Deb and Sylvan and, and that went down that way. But um, I voted for David because if you look at the immunity challenge on those wedges, David's the one that falls off and drags us with him. Now, that could happen to anyone, no doubt. But I'm looking at this guy going, being a bit, like he's annoying some people and that's fine, that you don't get rid of people because if you don't like them, per, like it's not... That sounds harsh, right? It's like anything. You gravitate towards some people and you don't. David and I didn't gravitate towards each other. Um, would I have seen him as a threat? By looking at him, yeah. But none of it added up. He was sick. He was out. Then he, I see him as like we're standing there and David goes and we all go and I'm like, oh, man, this guy's got to go. Just get rid of him. He's actually a liability. That's how I'm thinking. And Tim, would, I would have kept him. It's it's really fascinating, actually, looking at that second vote now that you talk about that, because you vote for David, you, you don't have a conversation with Naomi, and you two, I guess, are, are close, you've said you wouldn't vote for each other, and you sort of mentioned about mm. how kind of friendships can be alliances, but I guess if it's a true alliance and maybe you're talking about who you're going to vote for, I mean, if you have that conversation yeah. with Naomi, she votes for David, then you speak to Tim, and then he votes, she vote, he votes for David... That's a different vote. Yeah. David's no, second gone. Tim's none of there. That Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. None of that happened in Kadena. There was no... It was just let's... I think Deb said, oh, let's vote with our conscience or something. And that's what was stupid about us. That was a big mistake. You know, um, I think we just thought we were the younger, stronger tribe. And I don't mean as the famous five. I mean as a whole. And that we looked, like like I said, if you looked at David and you looked at us and you just sized us up, I think I thought the natural money would have been on Kadena. But it was the 5% that Tapara wanted it more it, as a whole. There might have been some that you could say, oh, they didn't root. They were just there for the ride. But you Rob, Shona, Katie, like they had people fighting for it. And to me, it was just that. It's, it's the smallest edge that you need to, to win and um, and hats off to them, you know. We just we just weren't there. And speaking of smallest edge, Naomi brought it up the other week and I know you and I have talked a little bit about it off air as well. Just backtracking slightly to that very first challenge, the infamous fire challenge, Naomi sort mm. of mentioned about how you guys are in the lead. I mean, tell, tell us from your... Because you were telling me some interesting things off air about how far in the lead you actually were in that challenge. Yeah, that first challenge, it really was... Hats off to Stephen. That was that smashed us. It was good. I, I thought, and that's what's so disappointing because I never knew all the things you talked about that Survivor didn't rate and and what people would think. Like I knew Survivor didn't rate. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't know the whys. And when you guys talk about it, it makes sense. Like, and it's so disappointing because that that first challenge was physically tough, and. It, sliding doors. Like when you've talked about like all the little things that could have happened. I know like. I think running up the pole, I think Katie put in an official complaint that we cheated and they. I think they actually had to review the tapes 
because I think she said like when we're going up there, I grabbed her or held their their log or pushed him. Well, yeah, I would have. There's no rules in Survivor. If I could have pushed him down the hill, I would have pushed him. So that was interesting. And then when you see the um, when you see the edit, it it even looks like Tapara are in front. But my reflection, same as I think Naomi or Deb, was that we when you got to throw those spears into um, into the fire, we were way ahead. Sylvan and I and Tim, yeah, like. Lucinda's comments about how we prepared for that, she was bang on, smart. You know, we knew that those three boys could get the, the torch, uh, the, the spear far enough. And we did all that. And the, our fire, we got two right into the centre and the fire was up and Tapara hadn't really got theirs off and going yet. And just based on that, that it was naturally meant to burn up and, and off you win, we're sitting there going, well, like we were way ahead. We And that's the, all the what-ifs. There's lots of what-ifs, but... Then, you know, I've even got a conspiracy theory for you on the first challenge, how it actually evolved. I want to hear it. (laughs) So, look, it was disappointing that that didn't happen. And and I can see from your perspective as viewers now, like, why the hell did they even show it? Or they should have shot it again. And and I agree with you. But, you know, these decisions are hard at the time. But the whole true and false thing, now I have a conspiracy theory for you. And my brother reminded me of it as I was telling him about this. And I went back and watched the footage. And I don't know who's going to answer this or if it is all bullshit, but there's a rumour that Tapara cheated. Wow. And yes. And I would love, and the only two people I think that could answer it, and I don't know if I got told this through a producer or someone around the footage, but when you do the trues and false as a group, that's all good. And then when we get, uh, I think it's Jane and who did we have, Karen? Lucinda. No, Lucinda. Lucinda, sorry. Lucinda and Jane answering the phone, and they had to do it on their own. I heard that Tapara had a way of signalling to Jane the answer. And if you go back and watch the footage, and I did it just yesterday, as you see Jane's hand move away from Joel's hand as she then turns the thing. So... Apparently there was a tapping thing, like one tap for true, two taps for false. Now, if this is true, good luck. Well done. You're allowed to cheat. There's no rules in Survivor. So it's not a like, oh, boo-hoo, poor Kadena. If Tapara were able to cheat and win, hats off to them, in my, wow. in my view. In my view. But I'd love to know if it's true or it's a bullshit story. So you'll have to ask, well, Jane, obviously not Joel, but um, uh, yeah. Note that so down, Matt. When it, when I don't know if you're going to pre- uh, talk to any of the producers, but maybe in the editing they can tell you. Well, when it comes to Jane, outside of the 87 questions about why do you suck so much, we'll be sure to fit in a question uh, about did you also cheat in that first challenge? Oh, poor Janey, Jane. I we love you, Jane. We love you, Jane. Yes, we love her. She was 18, for God's sakes, and a beautiful girl. Um, but, yeah. That you, you're, a, you're 100% spot on, though. You, you push the limits of the challenges and you, you push the boundaries until a producer pulls you up on it because yeah. that's the game. I mean, Survivor is all about deceiving and it, it's just, yeah. And, and in the challenges, you're going to push it. And if, if, and we've had contestants openly say it, uh, current contestants say that they will do it and push the limits until, until a producer pulls them up on it. And then, and then they'll push it again. But the first goal for any survivor or for any tribe would be to win that first immunity challenge because if you know if you win that, you're not going to be at the first tribal council. So you're going to go in 
into the you know to the day four eight strong. So yeah. how how annoying was it for you the fact that you just said that you were you were well ahead in that in the first original immunity challenge, and then to then lose the the backup challenge the next day the true or false and then have to go to tribal council that must have been infuriating for for all eight members of Kadena. Yeah, oh, it sucked, and you know I do know like yeah it, it sucked. There's no other way to put it. Like we felt we were physically stronger and did all that stuff and. And, and we proved it in the first challenge and we didn't get the rewards. Um, but, you know, I mean, I know you guys have talked a lot about the budget and, and all these things. I, I know, too, that I found out later it was a big budget. It was the biggest show, apparently, I had heard that Channel 9 went to. And, and Packer himself said, let's have a crack at it. Because um, I got told, yeah, it was what you guys had spoken around it was a contractual thing that I was aware of. 37 countries, I think, were filming Survivor at the time, and it was you had to do your own. Some countries did a little camping trip and showed it at 2 in the in the morning. Channel 9 said, let's have a crack at it. And they put I as I understood it, was the most expensive show they put to air, but it still didn't stack up against America. There weren't teams in the art department. They, were, they had their, their challenges, and they just had to run with the schedule that they had. And they didn't have the time and mud like to do a true and false question afterwards to determine it. Bloody hell. Shit. That sucked. I know this season had a a lot less budget than America, but I, I still think there's a there's a couple of things throughout the season that if they had just either put a little bit more money into it or made the right decision, they still could have got away with the and I, I still think it's a pretty good season at the end. But I know the casual viewer, as some people say, like to call it, that they got turned off. And, and, and the biggest thing to me is that showing that first challenge, not only showing it, but allowing it to happen, but then yeah. to not, but then to then do the true or false the next day. And instead of just not showing it on TV and just reshooting the next day, the same original challenge, I think that really hurt the show. And, yeah. and, and there, were, there was a few other things throughout the show that hurt, but I think that by far, being in the very first episode of the first ever Australian Survivor, I mean, that was just something that they just had to find extra money to reshoot. Yeah, Matt, I agree with you, but I, I'm trying to actually think if they did that, I think from a production point of view and the viewer's point of view, that would have been the smart decision. Add another day onto it. There's no rules. We all knew we were signing up for no rules and shoot it again. But if I, if we'd lost it, the second time round, because we were fatigued and we put so much in it, I would have been just as disappointed as the true and false. So, but shit happens, right? What What do you do? The whole game different had you won that one, of course. I mean, you know, who, oh, who knows how. And there's somewhere. others along others along the way too. You know that. Um, uh, you know, I had one of the producers tell me after the show that when they were leading into when I was the last one left, and they did the food challenge. Apparently, some of the producers were begging, like saying to Stephen, that Craig's going to go. He's not going to be able to beat seven people in the food challenge. The show right now is can he survive? And let's change the challenge. Let's put something on. Like, that's where you know they should be able to manipulate things. They don't, they don't want to change the outcome, but 
It's a TV well, they, show, for God's sake. They, do that, they do that in the American version. It's, it's been prominently yeah. proven because they will have certain contestants, like as you're saying, that the producers are going, well, this is going to make for better TV if this person stays in. So conveniently, yeah. if there's a player who's on death door who's a very good swimmer, yet everyone else is a sucky swimmer, the next five challenges are all going to be swimming challenges and they're going to go on an immunity streak. So it's, it's been done yeah. in the American one, so it's surprising they didn't do that for you. Well, I was expecting it back then, and it'd be interesting to see if you ever talk to any of the producers or Stephen and what they say, because I would imagine Stephen would do things very differently. I, like I said, I take my hat off to him that he made it hard, because I thought that was fun. Um, but same thing, like even though um, I didn't know these things at the time, I definitely was thinking, oh, well, we're going to merge seven and three. But you don't know that they could spice things up. Um, split us into then two tribes of five uh, if you want to make a better TV show. Now, Stephen might do that today, but back then I think they – I don't know if he had to follow rules, and I don't know if this is true, but I had heard there was someone from the American series or, or production or whatever that was – I don't know if they were on site or they were helping them, and I know that they said – you can't feed them such lit. You can't put them in such harsh conditions. And Stephen said, "No, nah, bugger, yes, I can." So he made those tough decisions. But I think the production ones and and you know swapping challenges around was purely just due to they didn't have the money and the manpower to do it, and they had to just go with the schedule that they planned. There's a lot of challenge. There's a few challenges that you don't see that are edited to make look better. And particularly Naomi told you, like with her challenge where she won that reward, I felt like you watch that and you just think, yeah, the first person walked into the circle, then Naomi did hers seven and two because who the hell thinks Naomi was a ballet dancer? That was gold. (laughs) (laughs) That that fooled me. I think I voted bullshit. Uh, um, But then after that, every time you walked into the circle, Naomi and I just went, well, I was sort of hoping she'd take me, but I also wanted her to win, not one of the other pricks. So I was like, well, you just walk to the circle to even up the numbers. And you and you know the producers are there going, oh, shit, we didn't think of that. Or when we role-played these challenges, they're not thinking like we do. It's different to role-play these challenges to then get survivors to do it because you don't have on the line what we have on the line. And so they had to edit it to make it look close, but it never was. Well, I keep teasing matt that um the worst challenge i've ever seen in survivor history is on your season we're a week away from it it's one after you got voted out it's basically where you literally have to measure water and guess the temperature and guess how much you weigh i mean talk about running out of budget i mean they just literally went around the camp and went fuck how much water fits in this that could be a challenge let's do it next week See, I don't remember that one. I must have still been crying. <laughs> you yeah. don't need to remember that one. But the, the thing with Kadena is obviously you won a fair few rewards. However, the yeah. one you didn't win involved a little love of yours, Craig, uh, chocolate. Now, um, oh. <laughs> a couple of things here. Um, you, you mentioned that you would kill for chocolate, that you were thinking more about chocolate than your family, your parents. 
Uh, you then also went on a lovely little um, methodology on how to enjoy chocolate. Now, Craig, I don't know if you've kept up to this 18 years. I've, I've got some things written down here about how you do this, just to refresh your memory. Uh, snack <laughs> chocolate, the chocolate you take to someone's house if you don't know yep. what they like. Yep, yep. okay. Fruit That's nut. the old day favourites. Yep, yep. Fruit and nut, uh, what you take if they're over 55, because... That's the way it is. Uh, you offended Matt with Still that one. Relevant. Matt. Still Matt, relevant. Still yeah, relevant. I'm a fruit and nut guy, Craig, oh, so I got sorry, a, little, a little offended when I heard that. <laughs> uh, Swiss chalet that sadly doesn't exist anymore, but you chew it on the spot until all the chocolate melts and you're left yeah, with toffee bit in your that. mouth. That's, that's been replaced with crunchy chocolate. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, Caramello and peppermint. It. Suck on the ins- until the insides explode. And then your favourite, Black Forest... Put in the microwave for two minutes, stir it all up, just eat the cherries and biscuits out of it. Now, we had one of our listeners, Matt Carr, big fan of yours. Uh, he yep. did the hashtag Craig Abbott challenge, to which he found that two minutes in the microwave for Black Forest, not the way to do it. Uh, did he? What happened there? I mean, explain yeah, two sorry, minutes. Matt. Sorry, Matt, you probably can't taste anymore if you put um, Black Forest in your mouth after two minutes on today's mi- uh, microwaves. I did forget to mention a slight hiccup. You do it on the medium heat because ah. you, if you obviously if you put it in two minutes, you're going to burn the stuff and it's going to taste <laughs> like shit. You've got to put it on medium, a slow burn, so when it comes out, it's just all nice and gooey. You get your spoon out and off you go. So, so sorry, Matt, I kind of bum steer there. We're just a bunch of rookies over here, Craig. We just want it. We just think you just chuck it in the microwave, give it a zap for two minutes, and. <laughs> out it comes. But, uh, yeah, Matt Carr, he did mention that. It, he, he, I think he took it out at about a minute and a half because he said he could just smell oh, it burning. Poor bugger. It's the one who didn't burn the house down. <laughs> was it David Hass who talked about the lint balls or something? Yep. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be happy to know I've matured because I, I if I'm going to treat myself, I, I go on to Hague's chocolate these days. So. Ah. But, but I'm do, I still do the Cadbury if I want consumption, like mass consumption. So, so what is it about chocolate? Has this been a lifetime thing? And, and do you still, 18 years later, is it? do you have your sort of recipes for each of the blocks still? Yeah, well, like I said, I'm now, my favourite's not the, I haven't bought the Black Forest for a while now. It's it's pretty much the crunchy because I, I suck that and then I then I bite the uh, crunchy bits, which which my wife finds very annoying. But the, the sweet tooth thing has always been there. And my son, who's 12, is the same. We just, I eat so much chocolate. Love it. And the, the thing also, too, in, in the reward where you all got to uh, speak to your, your loved ones, you spoke to your mum, and basically, you know, great little moment. She's in tears. You're like, mum, don't cry, don't cry. Oh, by the way, when you pick me up from the airport, bring me a family block. Did she bring you a family block at the airport? <laughs> She, yeah, I, no, I don't think she did, actually. She let me down. But I can easily smash a couple of family blocks while I sit down and watch a movie. It's not, it's not good. I'm not proud of it. That's I, I did like we loved Shona's reaction in that episode where she was basically just screaming over the the, the cherry ripes. But, cherry um, ripes, she loves them. Yeah, yeah, that that was crazy. When it when it came to um, you mentioned before about sort of not feeling that you were the leader or a leader type. So, I mean, that's obviously very surprising that kind of in, through our interviews and then kind of even through some of the edit, people were kind of painting you you as a leader. Would you yeah. have changed that differently now looking back on that? Maybe you would have been a bit more of a leader? Um, look, I have thought about that, to be honest. 
because a couple of people spoke to me after the show, like producers and Sean, the survivor guy, and they picked my brain about that. They're going, well, Craig, why didn't you step up and lead? They need, they were lacking a leader. Um, and I've kind of thought afterwards going, oh, shit, did I kind of let the team down? Am I sort of responsible? But so I, I've never seen myself as a leader. And, and like when um, Lucinda and David and others mentioned it, I was really quite surprised, to be honest, because I just don't think I'm any better than anyone else and anyone I just didn't think we needed a leader and I certainly didn't see myself as one. And like I said, I think I would have naturally thought David or Tim would be a leader, if anyone. Um, but so, yeah, that, that I guess that's one of the life lessons I've learned from my time on Survivors. I don't have any regrets. I, um, I definitely play. I just thought I'd lay low and do what I needed to do. But And I didn't see that we weren't doing well because we lacked a leader i thought we all seemed to be on the same page we all just said let's not let's not and i think we're kidding ourselves i think anyone who believed this amongst our tribe was kidding themselves let's not have alliances it's a dirty word we don't well i i had alliances from day one it was naomi and and the problem is i should have worked more on others and others should have done it tim should have had a crack let's see the mongrel david should have done stuff um it was happening, but no one wanted to admit it. I don't know why. At the time of recording this interview today, Craig, we haven't been able to do an interview with Karen. And there's not a lot known about Karen because I don't think she got a huge edit on the show. Um, mm. Obviously, yourself, Naomi, were sort of a lot more prominent. Um, where did Karen fit in and, and what what was her sort of vibe around camp? It's a bloody good question because... Even myself, I look back at that and I, again, you know, all the interviews you've done with Kadena, everyone's still being nice and, and I'll still be nice. There's nothing nasty to say or bad to say about Karen, but the reality was I don't, I didn't see her as a big game player. There was no, um, there's no big alliance talk or strategy talk, but again, she wasn't the only one. We were, we were all pretty much like that. So that's not against her. She wasn't really a huge physical threat. Like, you know, you all kind of look at each other and go, what can I bring to the team? Tim was strong. He was wise. He brought knowledge, you know, and David you would expect to have brought the strength and all those things. And I guess that was my thing. So you all thought you would bring – well, what were you bringing? And I don't really know if Karen worked that out. Um, she wasn't strong on the alliances. She wasn't really physically strong. She was, I don't know. I, I really don't know where she fit in. I thought she was strong. I did think she, like, you don't know people that well and you don't know what's going on, on behind the scenes. I thought she was strong with Deb and Sylvan. I thought the three of those were together. I always did. So when, when it didn't unfold that way, it was just more because people kept putting their hand up to leave. It wasn't that Naomi, Karen, and I decided to get together. It was we were just the three that had to merge. It was weird. Because we talked to Deb about that about the the night that she got voted out because she was with Sylvan, and it was sort of like, mm. well, why didn't? Karen, why didn't you try and sway Karen to kind of take Craig or Naomi out? It kind of, and she was like, "Well, obviously now that was kind of the obvious thing to do." Yeah. But was that? Were you thinking that that might happen that night? A hundred percent. I thought those three were tight. 
David was obvious on, on his own. Tim, like, at that early stage, I'm like, well, Tim was just not on my radar as someone that you would think about voting out. So how he got four votes, I just don't know. And that's why when you see Karen, she mentions about Tim, voting for Tim. So I don't, I would have made the assumption that her and Sylvan and Deb decided to do that. And I don't know if they were getting into Naomi. I don't know because it was, I was really flabbergasted. I know in my confessional, I think I say, oh, I don't know why I'm voting for David or bloody oath I knew why I was voting for David. <laughs> uh, and I knew it was, and he, it, the minute we got back, it proved my point. Oh, who voted for me? Bloody hell, bloody hell. <laughs> it was funny. Well, talking about David, he wanted Karen gone first. Exactly. And then he tries to align with Karen the very next episode. I'm like, what did... That, I don't know. I, 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 I never could work out David or his game plan. But do you think... Was there a reason you think he wanted Karen gone first? Like, was she just not fitting in with the tribe? Oh, I think he. I think David. If if David had have been who I hoped he was, he was bang on right. I would have. Well, no, I think Lucinda probably did. You know, probably was who I would have got rid of first, only because you're thinking you need to stay strong. And like Lucinda said, she didn't get to demonstrate how strong she was in that challenge, that first challenge, because everyone was in on it. So. That's unfortunate for her. I think she just got a rough, a rough um, deal, but but she just was a different character. So she kind of seemed like okay. She put her hand up. So everyone, I think it was Sylvan that said, "I oh, bang on. I agree with Sylvan with his comment around if the cracks appear and you're not kind of standing over it, you're like sweet." And that's mm. what happened with the cinder. And then I agree with David Hasso. Um, who would have thought I'd say that? But he with his <laughs> thing with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, his thing with um, Karen, I, I think that probably would have been like if David had have spoken to me, or I was speaking to David and we were strategizing. We both, I think, we both would have said, "Yeah, Karen's the one to go." Um, but but these things didn't happen. Ben, I, th this could have ended up being one of the best rivalries in Survivor history: Craig versus David Haas. Like, how if you two would have gone deep into the game? Imagine that rivalry, because oh, I mean. Yeah. It sounds like you, you just didn't gel. No, but but he knew it. Like you could see, look at the like. I, this is where I overanalyze things. You look at the footage where he says where he's he's banging on around the campfire about someone voted for someone either fight. Uh, what was it? I'm just not. Pull, I'm not. I'm just not doing my job. Someone doesn't like me, and or someone is threatened by me, and he just turns straight and looks at me. And I'm just looking at the fire, and I can see him looking at me. I'm just laughing. I'm going, "Yep, yep." I'm not threatened by you, but geez, you don't take this well. And and it wasn't a, yeah. We, he knows we didn't get along. Like not like, hate's a strong word. We don't hate each other at all. We were just co competitors. He was a fierce competitor in his mind, but not on the show. And and when I found out it was self-inflicted, I just I'm like, oh, I could have slapped him. I'll get him a beer. I'll buy him a beer, but I'll also like shake Slap him. him. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> when you when you came back from that second tribal council and Tim had gone home, not David, because I know you yeah. voted for David. Yeah. And then of course, 
David, he wants to know who's voting for him and all that. What was the that night? Can you remember what was it like? I mean, here you thought Tim was still going to be there, but now Tim's gone home. David's wanting answers. But I was just thinking, oh, get over yourself, David. Five other people have received votes. Have they behaved like this? It wasn't bringing the team together. Like, dude, like, I don't know. I just felt like I looked at things on a different level. Um, not not any better, not the right way. It's just I'm wired differently to David. And it's like, if you cop a vote, suck it up. And it, it wasn't about you, David. Like, I think at that stage, you know, um, Tim got a vote, Karen got a vote, Deb had a vote. Lots of people got votes, but he couldn't handle it. Jumping ahead slightly just while we're on this topic, did that give you then the idea to stir the pot a little bit with the Tapara Alliance that that's ultimately what led you to then putting the votes on Rob, to stirring the pot there a little bit later on? 100%. When Katie... We sat around, I remember it, we went and we used to go off and get water and there was food and you get this pig face. I think Deb asked about, someone mentioned the plants that we'd eat, it was called pig face and they had these little fruits, we're sitting around eating that. And so, of course, Karen and Naomi and I are sitting there and Katie just beelines it in Katie, true fashion. We love her, love Katie. And um, But you could read her like a book. She's there telling us how we're going to vote and what's going on with Piss off, Katie. We're not voting the way you tell us to. Like, wreck off. So as soon as she left, I'm like, right, this is what we're going to do. If we can't, like, they've already come up to us and said, Craig, you're the first to go. Rob's like, you're the first to go, Craig. I'm like, righto, screw you. Um, but it's like, if, and I said, Naomi and Karen and I had a chat and we said, look, if, I thought, bugger this. If we can't have any physical presence and we're not, we're going to get picked off one by one, let's screw with their alliance. Let's leave an impact. And, of course, we never knew if we did until it went to air. But we're like, right, you two vote for, uh, I think it was Lance, I think. Yeah. You two vote for Lance. I'll vote for Rob. One of us will be gone. Then the other one vote for Rob. And then the other one vote for Lance. And then the last person's votes for Rob. It's three each. And then... So we knew we were going to do that. That was the plan. And then then I could start screwing with their minds and going, well, Katie or Rob, you know that Katie's come to us and said we should vote for this and we should vote for you and rah, 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 and you better watch your back. And rah, rah. That was all fun. It was all like, screw you, we're going to have an impact on this game. Um, and that's all it was. Well, we'll get to more of that after because there's lots of stuff around that. One, one thing I'd love for you to clear up, though, um, the, the challenge, the, the peg challenge, where eventually it was uh, Sylvan versus Joel. Yeah. You did oh, the, the whole... Rock, paper, well, this, this is what I would love for you to answer because I, I speculate a little bit here, this rock, paper, scissors, you win, and then you're kind of like, oh, does that mean I have to go? I thought Sylvan had to go. Was that deliberate? Were you trying to put Sylvan under the bus so if you fucked up it would be onto Sylvan? Or was that just down to, shit, I don't know what we're doing here? That is a valuable lesson in my life that I have the two regrets with Kadena. One was that Tim went and that I didn't talk to him about strategy because that would have been gold. And two was that challenge. Deep down in my own confidence, I thought I could beat Sylvan, I could beat Rob, I could beat bloody Joel, anyone, because I I just felt like I could, as, as they would about me. 
But when we did the bloody rock, paper, scissors thing and I won it, to me that just shows me where my head was at and I was friggin' wrong. I should have been like Rob and seen that as the opportunity to kick some butt. But I was still laying low and I always regret that decision. Even the crew told me afterwards, why didn't you do that challenge, you idiot? You would like, And I always regret that. But it just goes to show me a valuable lesson that you win rock, paper, scissors, and in my head, to win meant not to do it. That's where my game plan was, and it was the wrong, it was absolutely the wrong view. I should have won that and said, good, Sylvan, piss off, I'm doing it. And I, I regret it to this day. Well, Karen must have been thinking the same way because when you won... I think it was Naomi. It looked like you were then going to do it. And then Karen actually says, oh, doesn't that mean if you won, doesn't that mean Sylvan does it? And then you're like, oh, yeah, Sylvan. But you would think that you'd want to do it. So if you won, yeah. that was actually a privilege of actually being the one to get to do the challenge. Because yeah. I know myself, I would hate to sit out of the challenge. And see, I haven't watched that episode again. And so I'm just yet, because like I said, I wait for my kids. But you could be 100% right, Matt, and I could totally just answer that question differently and say, that's what, what, that is what I was thinking. And then when Karen said, don't do it, I went, oh, oh, okay. So there was a lot of confusion there. But the way I've interpreted it today is that was a missed opportunity. I should have stood up and taken that challenge no matter what. Like if I'd won it, I should have just said, no, 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 Karen, I'm doing this. Or if I'd lost it and they had that view, I'd go, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Regardless of the confusion, I should have stepped up at that moment, and I didn't. Let's play what if again, because you win that 6-4 you are instead of 7-3. Is Sylvan an advantage? I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Sylvan, but I I don't know how Sylvan works in a situation like that. Because, I mean, at that point, though, you only need to sway one to force a tie. So, I mean, you've got the numbers there. Yeah, much better chance. Much better chances. But do you think Sylvan's going to be effective in that situation still, given that he was checking out a lot of the game? But it didn't matter. Like, at that stage, Sylvan was checking out. But to merge, I didn't give a shit. I didn't need his physicality by then. I needed his vote. And so that's where I was stupid. And I was trying to find ways, like, and again, just how different people think. When Sylvan won the car and he was, like, willing to go, I'm like, and he said, I think in his interview, he said, oh, I had a target on my back. No, you didn't. No one was there to win a car, you idiot. We were there to win half a million dollars. I don't care if you'd won three cars. I wasn't going to, that didn't affect anything. Like why you would get, you know, like, and on the game, he goes, I've got like the second prize, regardless of what happens. And so he was ready to check out. And it's like, oh. He was not going to be a threat because he didn't want it. And that was just frustrating. Like, you know, from our tribe, Lucinda put her hand up. Um, I, I agree with Naomi. Deb sort of checked out and said, oh, well, it's my ankle and it was all this. And Deb wanted to win, don't get me wrong. But but I don't care if your leg falls off. You don't give up. Karen was ready to give up. Sylvan gave up. Like, you've got people who Half gave time. up. Yeah, what bloody... And, and that was the difference between Kadena and Tapara, the never-give-up attitude. Tapara deserved to annihilate us, I think. You know, like, I hate it, but it's the truth. Are you surprised then that after the the fourth immunity challenge you win, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Tapara member goes home, which is Jeff. Yeah. You know, but then you just couldn't, you just went straight back to losing again. Like, did you think then, okay, this is it. We finally got one on the board. We haven't had to go to Tribal Council. This, we, we've still got a good young tribe here. We can still bring it back and do this. Like, And it just never happened. No, I definitely felt like that. I, I always felt like, even with three, I mean, I knew I was screwed, but it didn't matter what the numbers, I still thought, like I went into that merge going, I'm going to be the first friggin' survivor to win every bloody challenge. Like I knew it was bloody, but I believed in it. I really did until that stupid bloody food challenge. But <laughs> I never gave up and, and I just thought I couldn't work out. It's still the mystery and I wish you boys could answer it for me. I still don't know why the dynamics of the Kadena tribe sucked. And we were all responsible, every one of us formed that dynamic even when it was just four of us i i can't remember what the next challenge immunity challenge was when it was the four of us but but yeah we just kept losing and the fact that we were winning reward challenges we're going we're capable i don't think i don't think tapara were throwing those or only giving 95 percent. so it was just bloody frustrating i i think based on sort of what we saw, I mean, every single challenge, someone like Katie was just basically like, oh, like we're kicking up, we're kicking their ass. We, we're not letting up. You know, we're going to go on the merge. She had that whole document written out of this is how it's going to go. We pick them off one by one. This is what's happening. Yeah. So from what, I mean, look, let's be honest. We haven't talked to anyone from Tapari yet because seriously, you know, one person got voted out and we haven't had Jeff on yet. Yeah. So we've only been talking to you guys. We haven't gotten the Tapara experience. But I would say from my perspective, they weren't even remotely throwing those challenges. No, hell no. No, and then and I can't wait to hear it. And you know, look at Katie; she was bang on. Um, like that's why I love her because she was just a fierce. She was a professional athlete. That's how she was wired. But it also worked against her. Like I mean, it was a a train crash waiting to happen. You could see it. And I know from things Rob has said, Rob was a smart man. Um, and I'll talk about the voting and stuff and Shona and everything. Did the right person win? Yes, he did. And and I love Shona, and I'll tell you why I voted and then for Shona later, and I'll tell you why I don't think Rob deserved it at the time. But um, but interesting. He was, a, he was a brilliant player, and he had Katie around his little finger right from the start. With definitely looking forward to hearing some of these stories. But the one thing I want to sort of quickly <laughs> ask just before we get through into the merge, did you read Sylvan's book at all? I did, start to finish. Wow. Uh, you you actually finished it. Wow. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, one yeah, person, Matt. You're, you're, you're the first one. You're the first one we've spoken to that's actually <laughs> no. got past the first chapter. I remember Sylvan's book launch at Warringah Mall. There was, I think, Deb and I, and I can't remember who else. But, yeah, no, Sylvan, like, that's a thing. We all have a good laugh at everything now. But we all supported one another after. Like, I had moved to Sydney and um, Sylvan did his book launch. And, no, I read it. It's bloody confusing, but I read it. It's my goal before this this we finish this season off. If I, I've sourced one copy of it online, I'm trying to buy it. I want to do a live reading of this on air to see if we can actually make sense of it by if we get past I the think first I've chapter. Still, I think I've still got his book. Um, I just remember, oh, it was kind of Harry Potterish like, and I just remember getting to the end. I, I just kept pushing through, and then I kind of i have an image in my head of the end but i can't make any sense of it well one thing it's this is just a random little tangent which i'll be honest yeah. i'm i'm not a big reader and i'm not a big fantasy reader when i do i actually 
got made into a character in a fantasy novel. I had a guest on a radio show years ago, and I jokingly said to them, in your next novel, make me a character. They actually did. So they gave me a copy of the book, and I was a wizard or some shit. But I I tried to read it, and I just, maybe it's just the genre. I couldn't make some, like, fuck it, what page am I on? Oh, here we go. Wizard Ben Waterworth did something, and I think I got eaten by a dragon. So, (laughs) hey, whatever. Yeah, fantasy's not my thing. I should actually give Sylvan's book to my 12-year-old. He's into that stuff. I wonder if There's a review. The 12-year-old reads Sylvan's book 20 years later. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get Finn to do a review. I'll laugh if he if by the first chapter he hands it back and says, "Dad, I can't do this." <laughs> you you mentioned about Rob being the right person that won in the end. Now we know Sylvan won the car and and uh, sorry, yes, yeah, Sylvan won the car, yep. but it could have been any of you, any of the Katina members that ended up winning it because, as we know, they you each got a a car remote and and Sylvan was the one that won it, but. Yeah. Karen was the driver. Now you were the one that was giving Karen the direction. So did the right man win the car, or should you have won the car? No, I should have won it. Bloody hell! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was um, it was a funny challenge that one. But um, Deb's right. Like when we pulled out all those fobs, you could see Sylvan was going to win it. Ours and and I didn't. Deb, a smart Deb, she said, "Oh, they were all." Um, remote garage remotes and i'm like yeah she's right that's bloody hell what they were you could see sylvan's was the was the right one but um but again that challenge you know it was just it was keeping the smarts about you like you know kadena was smarter in that challenge because we like you know they gave you the car all the windows were down well you knew that that was going to cause chaos so you know just said to karen put your hand down wind the windows up don't listen to all the shit that's going on. Just listen to my voice. And we kept our cool and we won it. And it was, you know, it was just those little things that made the difference. It, it could go either way, you know. It was just interesting. You, you were mentioning before about sort of the $500,000 prize, Silver wins a car. One thing that we've mentioned, I think, a few times, though, too, which your season has, which the Channel 10 seasons don't, you got prize money based on your finishing positions. Yeah. Which yep. Channel 10, they don't. Matt didn't get paid a cent, you basically. You got jack for, shit, Matt. Yeah, and he, no. if you get runner-up, you don't even get a hundred grand. You get nothing. Did you get a living away from home allowance? You, you, you get you get an allowance, which is very yeah. small, uh, just oh. for the each each day that once you fly over to, you know, obviously I was in Fiji, so once you fly over there, but yeah, if you come second, it's, it's not like America where you get a hundred thousand or anything like that. It's just it's just however many days you're out there, a living allowance, and, and that's all you get. And then if you win, obviously yeah. you get the half mil. But, but to be honest, the prize, the second prize was jack jack shit. Like you wouldn't have been happy with second prize. I and we got a living away from home allowance, which from memory, oh, let's. I just remember it as a 27-year-old guy, not married, no mortgage. It was a nice amount of money. But it w- I, I assume back then it was enough that if you were a Rob, it was, it was covering your mortgage. So it was, it was enough a week that, you're, you know, your family weren't starving. But the prize money, I think from, my, from memory, I might have got seven grand. And I think Shona might have got 23, something like that. Like, it was nothing compared to five. Like, it certainly wasn't any motivation to get third last or second last. Like, it was nothing. It's, it's fascinating it was all because, because, obviously, yeah, like, the goal is to win, don't get me wrong. But um, 
this is just a perspective from the Channel 10 version because theirs is a, they go for 50 days. The first two Channel 10 ones went for 55 days. And wow. if you if you get second, there's there's actually been a contestant. She's finished second twice, and she didn't get a cent basically. And she would have paid a hundred days of Survivor to only get that oh. living allowance and even get a second prize. That's it's tough, but I think that's how it needs to be. There is no second prize in Survivor, and you know that. Like that's fine. It's all or nothing, and because it brings that desperation to the game. Yeah, for sure. We're at the merge now. Lots to talk about here, but you, when you get there, you, you've sized up to Para. You've seen them in challenges. You've made perceptions based on what you've seen. But when you are eventually together, you're at camp. Who are you drawn to? Who's drawn to you? Kind of like what's what's that first initial impressions like when you're finally getting to actually talk to these people? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm trying to rewind the clock. Um, because I'm thinking the first day, obviously you see a natural relationship with Shona, and that was genuine. She's a fascinating woman. Love her. But, you know, you don't form that in day one. I mean, I, I can recall, I'm pretty sure it was Rob who came up and just, not in an arrogant way at all, just said, you're going to be the first to go. You're the biggest threat to us from these three people. And you know that they would have talked about all this, and I knew that, that they we didn't have numbers, so they didn't need to worry. We would have done exactly the same thing. We would have got rid of those three and then fought it out amongst ourselves. You don't know. The other people are the enemy. So Rob just said, look, you know you're going to be the first to go. And like I said, under my breath, I'm going, fuck you, see, whatever, good luck with that. Because um, that's – but Naomi and I, I – Naomi would have been thinking exactly the same thing. I, I don't know if Karen at that point when we initially merged had checked out then, but I think it was Deb that said she was sort of happy to go because she's like, oh, well, I'm just the next. You two want it more. Um, so I don't know what she was thinking. But but I, you're just really on your guard when you merge. You're the minority. You're, just, you're right in the crosshairs. Like you know they're just waiting to push you off the ship. But I just thought it was just try and work out those alliances quick. Who's weak? Who's vulnerable? Who can who can I start playing on? There's got to be, and it's seven and three. I knew it was bullshit. Six and four would have had a much better chance. But but you could quickly work out who was well. I thought I could, and 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 as you see the show later, I think I feel like I was pretty bang on. You could see who was leading. The, the show and who who was with who and and you could see who was weak and and so you know I went and tried to have a chat with him like you know Lance went off in his yoga I think every morning so I thought all oh, right I'm off to yoga today uh, <laughs> meditation or whatever and I'm going to try and I'm trying to feel out Lance and because I thought yeah you're maybe a bit on the out here or do you realize what's going on with and at that point I thought it was Rob Shona Katie. And I thought Sophie, I thought the rest of them didn't have a clue. Like I, I knew Joel was in that group of five, but I knew Joel wasn't the, wasn't making any of the decisions. He was a pawn. Um, well, that this is just that's just what I'm thinking. That's what you're trying to work out. So you're just trying to work out the whole dynamic of that group and are there any weak links that I can start to play on? One of the first involvements with your new tribe when it when it became Aurora at the merge is you got to have a shower 
Now yeah. we, we we've asked we're gonna we asked the hard hitting <laughs> questions here, Craig. We're it. gonna ask you stuff about Naomi later on again, but of course we know Rob offered her five hundred dollars, Katie, to run around naked. And from what the episode showed, it looked like you all had a bit of a, a bit of a look over to see. Did you get a look? Would you not have a look? <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyone who's going to do a naked run, you know, and Katie's pretty fit, fit body, like, Jesus, of course you had a tried to have a look. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's one of the great, great scenes of that season. I think um, it was well done by production, even just the way they did it. Um, they, they definitely yeah. didn't hold back on any money there. And it was a, it was a great that, you know, like Lincoln said, you guys were absolutely filthy. You've got, you've now got a new tribe. And he says, as as I think Lincoln says, you're all on the nose. And he, and he this is that great shower scene. And of course, Rob out of everyone offers her five hundred dollars. And Katie, being the champion that she is, um, she does the nudie run. But I mean, they're things that you do remember from your season. It was just, it was yeah. gold. It was good, and Katie's not going to back down from any challenge, and that's why we love her. But um, yeah, uh, Rob was just a. a, a the maestro, he was a he. He, geez, he played a good game. Well, he's also checking a few of you out in the shower. I mean, he commented on Joel uh, being a bit of a bigger <laughs> man that he uh, thought. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, Rob brought so many great moments to the show. The one thing, actually, with that, the the shower challenge, too, because, I mean, nowadays, merge, you get a merge feast. I mean, that was kind of a cool little thing that you still got at shower. You got the Lay's chips, of course, brand new flavour. Yeah. Craig, was it sour cream and uh, oh, chives? Was that a little, yeah. little thing of the producers there making sure that Lance repeated that about 50 times on camera? Bloody, didn't they sell themselves out on that show? Like, Jesus, <laughs> everything. And we've got Lay's chips. We've got Solo, you loved your head. solo. <laughs> Oh, oh, that reminds me, your comments about the solo, that was fun. Well, not huge, but interesting to me how you interpreted that and just to bring you inside my mind, like the solo thing, like we won it, we had a can, we went back, but instantly I'm like, like when Matt, uh, when Tim said, oh, let's all have another can and celebrate, and I'm like, no, I'm not, and I completely laughed at your comments going, oh, bloody Craig, you no, we're not. Oh, well, if Craig says we can't have a can of Coke, we can't have a can, a can of Coke. Poor Tim. Tim just wanted to suck down on a solo and you were... It's all your fault, Craig. Come on. No, they were going... Do you know what I was thinking, though? I've got... Oh, shit, i got this can of solo. This is an advantage. I'm keeping mine for a sugar hit just before the next immunity challenge. It's that kind... That's what was going through my head all the time. That little advantage might just be the reason we win. And so I don't give a shit if they all want to drink theirs now. But all I said, and I think you can hear me mumble it in the back of the comment, going, no, I'm going to keep mine for the challenge. Well, but I didn't make a deal of it. I didn't tell them why I did that. I, but that was my logic. And so it's funny how it gets interpreted. It's like I was just all about the game and what was my next advantage. And, 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 it's, and who would have thought I thought the solo can was going to help me win the next challenge. Well, one thing we, uh, you know, we had fun with, if you go back through our social pages, there was a great shot. Yeah. You talk about selling themselves out. There was a great shot where they kind of almost zoomed in on you, you know, shirtless, drinking a can of solo. Oh. And I had fun making a bit of slow-mo for our social media pages, the solo music in the back. You, you're a good salesperson there But did solo, you see Craig. the way I was holding it? My brother gave me so much shit over that. <laughs> I, and I still don't know why to this day I was holding it like this. And I'm like... <laughs> 
and my you're thinking going, Cleo yeah. Bachelor of the Year. Here yeah. I come. <laughs> yeah, that's all I was thinking about, Cleo, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you, maybe you are ahead of your time. Maybe you were thinking, hang on a second, if I do it well here, I can be the new, you know, new guy on TV for Solo. Like you were yeah, actually what, thinking yeah, what, what you could do outside the game. Cadbury's for. I was like, yeah. Steve, nah. here's the money shot. Here's actually, the money shot. <laughs> you, now I think, of course. How did we not know this, Ben? Of course, here Craig is. He's promoting Cadbury's chocolate. He's good friends solo. at Solo. Good friends at Cadbury's. Good friends at Intel. You... <laughs> yeah, we were getting you all oh, this money. Your my... royalties are owed to you. Eighteen years later. Oh, my brother gave me so much shit about that shot. Can I just <laughs> on the topic of your brother? I, I want you to just tell this story quickly. I know it's kind of on a bit of a tangent, but your brother. Yeah. Lay's chips. Tell us the little story about uh, how what lengths he went to to get your yeah. car in those Lay's chips. I think my apart from my mum, I think my brother was probably my next biggest fan, and um, and like I said, it was a roller coaster ride, and everyone came along with it, and so I I did get a lot of fun out of out of seeing them. I remember my brother saying, "Oh, can I follow you around the supermarket? I want to see if anyone recognises you." And, and he's like, "I'm a bit of a fan down here. He, he's a cop, also, Matt, and he's down in. I think at the time he was at Horsham, and um, he's like, I'm a celebrity down here because I'm the brother of Craig from Survivor. You've got to come down here and watch one of the episodes." So I was like, "Righto," and I picked the episode, of course, where we merge and I and I do okay. So we go to the pub and all these mates are there watching it and they had T-shirts made up, brother of Craig from Survivor and then friend of friend of brother of Craig from Survivor. and It was a lot of fun. And, and all the other cops, um, from memory, they were, they were all given in Craig cards. And he's like, no, it's not the same. I need to get my own Craig card. I want that feeling of opening the packet and I pull out a Craig card. And I think he spent something like 800 bucks trying buying chips until he got his own Craig card. He probably kept opening and getting David Haas cards and thinking, ah. <laughs> Not him again. Uh, well, I, at that stage, yeah, that's funny. I didn't tell him anything. I just said I wanted them to enjoy it as they, um, as they watched the show. So I came back and just kept it all pretty tight, to be honest. Going back to the game, you're mentioning sort of working out the alliances, you know, going to people like Lance, Joel, you know, people like that who you were seemingly on the outs. The Lance-Joel thing, I mean, how frustrating yeah. was that? And like that, that little <sighs> famous moment with, with Lance where sort of you're telling Lance the complete truth. Lance is kind of like, no, no, I don't believe it. No, I don't know this. And you say the line, you're going to be sitting on your couch regretting this moment right now. Did you text him or call him that night going, <laughs> told you so? <laughs> no, I wish I had had his text, his number, because I probably would have. But, um, <laughs> no, look, how, how love like, you know, you'll hear it. And, and all the contestants are great people outside the game. But the fun thing, to be honest, at the time, was I'm telling the truth. I'm shit-stirring finding stuff out by just telling the truth because Katie just throws, puts it all out on the table. And you could see what was going on, and I'm like, Lance, you know this is what's going on. You, and, uh, oh, no, 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 couldn't be. And it's, I'm sure he kicks himself because you know, I'm assuming if Lance is there, he wanted to win. But, dude, it's the same thing. Like, alliances are happening. You've got to do it from day one. Like, you know, you say the new shows are doing that, and, and I just think it's not that the new shows are any different. They've just learnt. They've learnt from us. 
that's how you survive. You've got to play the game from day one. And Paul Lance, well, I don't think he was. And on that with Joel, I mean, Joel sort of, he just seemed so always just so just unfocused. He just, he was swaying so much from one side to the other. I mean, we saw that after the, the Jeff vote, like he kind of, he felt bad about it and he kind of, you know, moving on and then just swayed so much. One episode, he's like, no, it's not true. Then he's sort of coming back to you and going, are you sure you heard this? Like, how do you work with someone like that? Who's always all over the place. Well, this is why I'm really looking forward to hearing all, I'll be listening to every of your interviews with Tapara and the other contestants because it's, it's fascinating. I'd, I'd love to sit us all around in a padded room and have a group therapy session. <laughs> and it'd be great to go, but what were you thinking then? And, Joel, you idiot, what were you thinking? And Because um, it's such a different journey for everyone. And, and looking at Joel, it was like, dude, like it's, sometimes I just thought, oh, you're a bit aloof and you're like a bit all over the shop. And I, I think Joel was too busy think like I – and. This is my interpretation, right, because I only knew him for a little bit. And then there's other things about what people have told me. So it's a bit hard to remember what did I actually think at the time versus what do I know now. But Joel was, um, you know, very much around, loved the whole motivational speaking and, in, you know, and do, trying to motivate people and all that. And, you know, he's still a young kid. So trying to do that with the likes of Rob and Shona and that was I think that rubbed them all a bit the wrong way, and Sophie, I think. But I just, Joel was a good person to have because I think, you know, Rob used him as an easy target. Like, he, he, you could easily convince Joel, oh, this is the best way to go. Well, that's the best way. I think he was easily influenced. And so when I'm telling him stuff from another tribe, oh, like, what would I know? So Joel, Joel was Joel, you know, he's an interesting character, that's for sure. The one that we actually never saw you on screen talking to that wasn't really in that kind of 4-5 was Jane, bless her little heart. Did you have conversations with Jane or did she just suck so much that you couldn't talk to her? (laughs) Not really. I think Jane, another one, was she wasn't being strategic. She wasn't um, doing much. But, I mean, like you've said, and you guys have the knowledge, I don't, that some of the uh, Survivor shows in America... Hats off to Jane. If she, what, what was that girl that got right to the end and she, Elizabeth, or was it Elizabeth that really yeah, Elizabeth. did jack shit? And go, you know, you can, there's no rules. You, you can be a Jane and win this show. Then it was a lot harder for a Jane. It was, I think, more favoured to your Robs and, uh, and Katie's and maybe I'd like to put myself in that bucket and David Hass and Tim even. You know, Tim was strong and he could have played the game. So, I do think those sorts of people had a little bit of an advantage. So Jane, I don't really was a threat to anyone, but she was great to have as a vote. And I was, and I, I, I think I might have talked to her a little bit to just try and see if she was easily influenced to jump ship because I thought maybe she might feel vulnerable in that group. Like if Jane, Jane was just so young and hadn't maybe had a lot of life experience the way I saw it. So I think she was just going to stick with the family where she felt safe, but I did talk to her and just because I thought, well, maybe she's not as silly as you think, and if she feels vulnerable, she could be someone that might jump ship, but there was nothing there. 
all, all jokes aside with Jane, it, it's been interesting the last few weeks because uh, not in the last episode we covered, but the, the previous one, there's a great confessional from Jane where kind of she does say, like, I'm I'm sitting back. Um, you know, why can't I go far this way? And you're right. Like, I compare mm. her in that episode to an Elizabeth. Colleen in the very first season, these younger girls who both got very far, kind of just sitting back, playing innocent, and, and it got them deep. You, you even in a confessional i mean we had a lot of fun kind of in the episode where you're all saying how much she sucks i obviously chopped out the bit you you basically say she's useless but then it's followed up by you saying pretty much what you just said then that like hats off to her she's making it far and you're right she was only 18 to this day she's still the youngest person to ever play australian survivor and she what finished sixth and hats off to her because i don't know as an 18 year old if i could have been that level-headed to make it that far. I mean, I was an idiot at 18, so, I, you know, gets off to Jane. Jane beat me. End of story. And Does that hurt a little bit? <laughs> Bloody oath it does. <laughs> 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 we, we, You're always being nice to Jane, but I had to ask it. <laughs> you, you, you did mention at the start that, you know, before you knew you were going to Whaler's Way, you thought you were going to be on an island with girls in bikinis and of course jane was often in her pink bikinis uh, you know i thought that maybe you could have swayed her to um to, to to vote your way but obviously by that stage she she was there just um doing what she was told in tapara yeah by that stage like i mean uh, isn't it funny because even at my 45 now i still look at jane as little janey but and and at 27 and she was 18 i she still seemed like little jane and it just who knows if I was on the other tribe, what relationship I would have had with her, but she just, she was just sweet in nature. And I think, but, but sometimes you need some sweet people around you. So, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny one. Speaking of relationships, uh, you got to go on a reward with Naomi. Now she said in the reunion that basically she had a conversation with you uh, that if you won and you didn't take her, she'd kill you. Had you won, would you have or would have you been strategic? Would have you taken somebody from Tapara? Ooh. At that stage, was that when it was just Naomi? How many were Yeah, yeah there, just, was, there was nine left, just you and Naomi. Yeah, no, I, look, I'd like to say I'd be strategic, but I probably would have taken Naomi. But when Naomi talked about, like, hats off to Naomi, had she have not and take i would have been you little shit but um (laughs) but i don't know i think that you know eight and two or whatever it was seven and two you were i don't think it would have made a difference i don't think naomi needs to worry about what could have been if she'd taken a rob or um because i you were never going to crack them even if i'd won and i'd taken rob and go mate he was never going to risk it by going head-to-head with me or Sylvan or anyone um, or, or even even if it was Karen that was the last one left because you can turn and put a spin on Let's just – I don't know how it would have ever happened. But if you're sitting there in the jury and Karen had got through next to Rob going, Karen got through from a shit tribe, seven and three, you'd go, hats off to her. Rob, they were never, ever going to – consider having one of us around how was that night from your perspective i know naomi talked a little bit about that but i mean obviously good friends at intel computer you're that but i mean for you was was the best bit eating the food hanging out with naomi or eating all that chocolate i think 
from memory, the first bit was the warmth, a fire. Holy shit, it was cold out there. Um, and I thought, like, you know, stupid me, like, hey, with a pretty blonde in the cabin in the middle of nowhere, that's that's a good night. <laughs> but um, Yes, it, it is. Yeah. Who's going who's to deny you that? But then you have the food. Like, again, I'm like, it's all about how can I get up on something? How? Where's my next moment? So I'm shoving down all this food and, oh, carbs, calories, next challenge, you know. It was, it was still game mode for me. But it almost worked against me because what you don't see, and obviously you've got to expect, all these scenes you see aren't right next to each other in walking distance. So they had to put us in a, you know, what are they, the troop carriers, and they blindfold us with the bus and they take us to these locations. So in the car on the way back the next morning, oh, my guts is churning because I think they get, you know, we had everything to eat, chocolate and cakes and steak and whatever. So I'm shoveling it all down. And your stomach has shrunk to nothing. And, you know, oh, my guts, I'm thinking, oh, it's cramping. I think I'm like, everyone's blocked up. You don't know what the, I'm thinking. Oh, oh, this is now going to work against me. I'm screwed this challenge. And, of course, the adrenaline kicks in. You come good. But it was, it was nearly, uh, yeah, it was nearly not a good, good move for me. You nearly shit yourself, basically. <laughs> I did. I was about to frigging explode. And I thought, oh, shit. This ain't a good thing. I've eaten too much, you pig. You should have paced yourself. <laughs> you, during the night, you might have to say to Naomi, look, can you just duck outside in the cold for five minutes and give me some alone time? <laughs> oh, could you imagine that? There goes the Cabri sponsorship, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you met, One thing, mentioning about Rob, one of the things that we picked up on a lot, when you won that first immunity and you're back at camp, Rob's goating of you. Like, Rob's literally there basically going... Yeah, you won every single, you know, stage of that challenge, didn't you, Craig? Oh, yeah, you're I pretty good that. at this. Yeah, you, you're going to probably, like, he just, he just constant baiting of you. Were you onto that? Were you ignoring that? Kind 100%. Of... Yeah, Rob hate, no, hate, I keep saying hate. It's fun because I get passionate about the show. Yeah, Rob hated me, but he didn't hate, hate me. Um, he, he would have seen me as a threat and he goes, uh, like, Rob was a professional athlete. So, of course, he's going to think, I can beat anyone. Katie was a professional athlete. I thought I could be. I didn't give a shit how, what, how professional you were. I was going to kick your ass. I had the same thought process. Like when we're holding the stick and we can talk about it, like, you were never going to beat me, Rob. Fuck this. I'm going to stand here for another three days if I have to. That's what is driving you. And I had the same drive as Katie and Rob. So I hope Rob felt like shit. Because I didn't beat him just once. I beat him four times. And so that was bloody sad. And I think you see in that shot, he goes, oh, Craig, you won all four. And I think I sit there just going, oh, did I? Of course I freaking knew I did. And I'm shoving it for you. Like, I'm thinking, <laughs> bloody oath, and I'm going to ring the next 44. So watch out. You know, like, that's, that's where my head was at. And even with that challenge, the things that you don't see, this is what I was up against. And you, you'll understand this, Matt, because you've been there. You know, they take you to these challenges and they walk you through it. Not how to do it, but just go, right, guys, you're going to run down here, do the puzzle, get your rope. Come over here, then we're going to lasso your rope over to a shovel and this is how it all works, right? So you go back and you do it. My whole time when you run down to that puzzle, just remember, 
they will have flipped them upside down. They won't all be the right way. Like you're just thinking nonstop. What are they? You're trying to think one step ahead of the contestants and the producers. And that's that's how I played the game inside. You don't see me jumping up and down like Katie, but that shit's going a million miles. And what you don't see, running down to that puzzle was not a problem. No one could stop me. Got it done first, got through. But the next one, what you don't see, or you might see if you go back and look at the episode, I haven't looked at it to this detail. But when we're standing there and we've got our ropes and they say, right, you've got to lasso it onto your um, shovel and get your shovel. You'll see uh, at the start, I'm standing, I think, next to Naomi and Karen or whatever. Then when it's shot, they all move and surround me. So Rob's people like from Tapara were getting around me to get me out. And so I thought, right, to win this one, as soon as Lincoln says go, everyone's going to throw their ropes. Pause for half a second because when they throw them, they'll all hit each other and they won't go where they're throwing them. Let them all throw just a little bit, then throw yours. And that's exactly what I did, got the first shovel. And then when they go to the next, so they were crowding around me to try to, they were, they were fo- which is fine. That's what you would do, right? But that's what I was, I was up against seven people every time. And then the next one you had to dig the box. And I'm like, right, don't go digging straight away like a madman. Put your shovel in, find the spot where it feels soft, dig there. So it was always about keeping it cool. It was outsmarting. And I found in the immunity, immunity challenge, it became about outsmarting people, not being stronger than them. It, it, obviously, like with the stick one, there was things that came, but that's how my head was thinking. And you don't see that in the edits, like that you're up against everyone. It must be a great feeling when you know seven other people want you gone, especially Rob and Katie. They, they really wanted you gone, and, and you are winning to spoil that for them. I mean, it must be a pretty big ego thing to know that <laughs> they, they, can't, they can't vote you out because you just keep winning. Yeah, 100%. But it was, it was such a great, like, you know, I say all this stuff and I, you know, and I've said the things I have about David and other people and it's all my recollection of things. But, you know, and I don't want to come across as arrogant and up yourself. And, and in hindsight, it's easy to look back and say these things. But I believe, like, when the going gets up, this is your moment. This was your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And you need to step up and prove to yourself who you are. Now, I made a lot of mistakes in the tribe. But, or, or you know, but when it comes to that challenge, it's like, yeah, I felt good because... What was going on in my head, what I believed I could do, I was delivering. I beat them four times to win that immunity. And then, you know, so I honestly did believe I, I'm in I'm in this game. And if I'm the last Kadena person tribe, I'm still here. And you're not going to get rid of me. And I honestly believed even after that next challenge, I I knew in the back of my mind, shit, that bloody food challenge is going to come somewhere. And they know I hate seafood and they know all this. And I thought, oh, God, I don't know how that's going to go for me. I hope I just thought it would be hopefully a reward challenge, not an immunity, because I just thought I've proven myself with just a puzzle. I've proven myself with the orienteering. I've proven myself with just thinking little things ahead of the game and it's working for me. So I felt like I could go all the way. I still believed it. You might not like seafood, but I, I hope you like 
cold pizza that's been shoved in your bag because in your last episode in 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 the last episode where you had the reward now Tapara were pretty smart here they got you out straight away in that reward challenge um they all surrounded you with with you know the way the challenge was set up where they were yeah. putting their little round blocks and they got you out straight away and but yeah. in the end Lance wins it's a, it's a large pizza cut into eight slices there was eight people left he allowed everyone to get a slice. So in the end, you kind of won anyway because you got a slice yeah. of pizza. And, yeah. of course, Shona famously, she kept her pizza behind her back. And I think it was uh, Lance or, or Rob actually said to her, oh, you, uh, do you have a slice of pizza, Shona? And she said, oh, I'm going to save it for later. And then she tells we, – we don't see it on camera, but in a confessional she says that she's – while you weren't looking and no one else is looking, she shoves it in your bag – and that she, she she just wanted to let you know that you weren't on your own. Now, did you know yeah. about that pizza straight away, or as Ben asked, like, did you happen to find it ten days later when you when you're back home? And oh, what's this yeah. slice of pizza doing? <laughs> it was mouldy. I thought, what good's it doing me now? <laughs> Bloody hell! I can't remember when I found it, but just that just says so much about Shana. Like, oh, like she's a strong. Like I can't speak highly enough of her. Um, and I'll be interested to hear. Have you, will you be speaking to show? Has everyone said they'll come and chat, or what's the deal? I, I've got in contact with Shona. She was a hard one to track down, along with Jeff Brown. But uh, no, I've I've had a, a good phone conversation with Shona, and we're we're hopeful yeah. that that she's yeah, going to come. I'll be interested to hear what she's got to say because Shona and I haven't spoken for a long time. We were very close after the show, and things have. I don't know, to be honest, what's happened with our relationship, and I'll be interested to see. I've got, yeah, there's some, some interesting questions. I'll be interested to see her experience, but she's a, yeah, she was great, and and that, and you know, that meant a lot. And I don't know. I think Shona can speak what she thought of me, and um, but it was just genuine. It was just someone um, who I really admired, looked up to. I thought, you know, this woman, you know, she's something like the first female test pilot in Australia and she'd done all sorts of crazy things. She was a true survivor in the real sense. And um, and I think after the show she went and did all sorts of crazy things. So I remember telling me, you know, she's um, her time in the tsunami when she was sailing around the world. She's got so many great stories. She's a fascinating woman. Would, were you thinking that you had swayed her enough to help out and did it surprise you that she ultimately ended up voting for you the night you went home no well i tried hard i really thought i was perhaps getting somewhere with her and i know rob was another fucking warrior (laughs) whatever (laughs) (laughs) oh i did laugh and i saw that i'm like good i got into you rob this is great but i was just trying everything i could and shona i genuinely knew shona respected me and and whether she saw herself in me or, or something, I don't know. But she'd appreciated, like, I think she could, I just connected with her on a different level where I'm able to talk to you guys now about the weird things that go through my head. And I think she got that. She knew I was fighting the fight of my life and I wasn't going to give up. And I think she just respected that. And, and I think if she could have, bless her heart, she tried to see if, anyone would consider letting me stay a little even past jane but just no one would risk it and i don't blame them for it but uh, you know i you know i wish shona had been more successful (laughs) 
And I believe you, in between filming and when it aired, you you were able to go to her fiftieth birthday. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shona. Um, so she must. I think she reached out to Stephen because we weren't allowed to talk about it. We weren't allowed to see anyone. We we're doing all those things, and Shona had her fiftieth birthday. Um, between, I can't remember if it was between when we finished and it started airing, or it was when we finished but it was still airing. It doesn't really matter. But she got permission for me to attend her birthday and um so i flew over to perth and and uh we had this great big family um survivor party which was fantastic it was uh um an interesting fact her nephew was jesse of big brother the one i think is it jesse uh, marty, marty and marty, marty, and jesse, wasn't marty it? And, yeah 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 what was their name marty and someone they got married yeah yeah so uh, like, there's a bit of a reality um, TV thing going through that family, but yeah, it's really good. Is it true that at the party you all just sat around playing tiddlywinks? <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't play it because she didn't come there to play that. No, of course, I don't do bloody tiddlywinks. Shame, <laughs> no. We did have some. That is the best. That is one of the best confessionals of all time, mind you. That tiddlywinks line and the the passion she says it with. We've rated yes. it the best confessional of all time. Hang on, Matt. Yes. Matt, Matt, second best. We haven't gotten to the best yet. That's the oh, finale. We enough. do have somebody threatening oh. to kill someone. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, she was. Um, oh, Shana was just a lot of fun. We, I reckon some of the challenges her and her uh, family organised at the farm were better than the ones we did. We had <laughs> tractors and bales of hay. We had a lot of fun. She was good, good times. The the night Naomi goes home, you had a bit of a cry. Now, Rob, the next day, was quick to say, oh, I think he was just putting that on. Uh, but Shona believed it was nat- was real. Was it real or did you put it on? Oh, Rob, you, well, you've just unearthed something. Rob putting it on, let's talk about some of that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it was a windy night. There was a lot of sand around, you know. <laughs> What's a guy to do with a bucket of sand in his eyes? Um, you probably you know, still had the shits from from the bloody the war <laughs> chalice. Yeah, I was still trying to pass the steaks and chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, look, it was genuine. You you're putting your it, like it was. I don't even know what the tears were. Another opportunity for my brother to give me heaps, but <laughs> at the time, like I don't even know what I was thinking and cr- like I don't know what I was crying about. But it was just. You're putting so much of yourself into that show, and I don't mean the show, the game. All of a sudden, you're the last man standing, and you're like, fuck. And you know everything's against you. And it's, it was just a, it was an emotional time. And it's just like, I think it was a moment of reality and going, shit, Craig, right? And I've got to admit, like, even going back to that camp and sleeping the night on my own was a weird feeling. It really was. It's, it's, it's a funny game. It's a great I game. Think, I think you need to uh, find the video that we shared recently of uh, you crying. We maybe added a bit of a soundtrack to it. Uh, maybe share that with your brother. Uh, Did you guys roast sure me? It. Never. We would never do such a thing, Craig. We would, we're, the, we're the nice podcast. We're the David Hasselhoff of the podcast. We just say oh, nice right, things right. and talk okay. about you behind your back. That's that's what we do. <laughs> from from that point on, though, you, you're by yourself, and I mean the shits, the, the the you're causing so much hassle. As you said, you didn't really know it worked until you saw it on screen. But one of the yeah. most genius things, and we talked about this last week, you go to Rob, you say, Rob, I'm voting for you tonight. I've got to deal with someone, and I'm going to stick to my deal. And then your confessional straight away is like, 
I don't really have a deal with someone, but I'm going to make this up and let him know anyway. Mm. Did this just something that, again, you were thinking this is going to work? Did it cause more shit than we saw on camera? Because Rob was a little bit shaken by this, it seemed, but I don't know, did we see more of that out there that wasn't on TV? Yeah, no, I was trying to screw with his head, no doubt about it, because I was, I was jealous of him. I wanted to be Rob. He was in the position I was hoping I would be in at the merge. And and then you got bloody, you know, and I say this nicely, bloody Katie firing off her mouth everywhere, and you're going, well, screw you guys. Like, I, I wanted to get to them. I wanted to piss off Katie, and I wanted to piss off Rob, and I wanted to screw up their alliances, and I wanted them to start fighting amongst each other. Like, I, I just wanted to have impact on the game because... I wasn't going to get a chance to play it. So I was playing it. I was, I was trying to, and I wasn't doing the impact to be anything to do with TV or um, anything. It was just about, I'm here to play and I'm, and I've kind of feel a bit cheated. I'm not getting to play with you guys as well. And that was the only cards I had left. So I was going to go down fighting. You definitely got under the skin of, of Rob and Katie. And there's one line I love. It's when Rob tells, comes clean with um, Katie and, and, and explains how Shona's calling you the warrior, the young warrior. And yeah. the, the way when, when he tells Katie that, Katie's like, ugh. Like, this, the, the noise she makes, it's almost like disgust, like that here you are getting <laughs> called the warrior from Shona. And then, of course, that whole episode, the amount of name-calling, she calls you... <laughs> Basically, every name under the sun. You're an asshole, you're a snake, a a rat, a weasel, you're everything. Yeah, because I could see straight through her. That's why (laughs) she was pissed off that she was being uncovered. But Rob had her um, picked from the start too. He was just playing it when he needed to. Katie was doing all the dirty work for Rob. That's how I see it anyway. Um, Yeah. did that nickname continue on in your real world after that, the warrior? Like, were your mates giving you shit, calling nah. you the warrior? No? no, no, I got away with that one. No, I didn't <laughs> get any grief about that. I think I made enough of my own. Um, you know, I gave him plenty of other ammunition. Did did you, did Katie express more, like the confessional emotions that we're saying, the name calling and everything, did she express any of that? Did you see any of that? Or was that when you're watching it on TV, you didn't realise that there she was basically calling you all these names? Oh, no, I think you expect that from Katie, like, you know, and it's not in hindsight, you can, like, that's where you've got, I've got to be truthful with myself and go, what is it you remember versus just how you've merged or watching the show? But no, I think because of what I was playing and doing and trying to screw things up, Katie was, you know, I think you could read her pretty quickly, like, she knew, she thought she had Rob, like, you, you listen to her confessions, like, I'm a pretty, you know, I get my way and I am I can be sweet and I can do all these things and if I have to flirt a little bit, I'll do that. And, you know, she's flirting with Rob and she's flirting with the boys. They're not stupid. You're like, Katie thought she had everyone right where she wanted them. And, and look, she made great TV and she's a fierce competitor and you would, I, I thought, that woman will go places. Good on her. But 
she had she was 24 and she still had a lot to learn about how you can achieve those things that she wanted to achieve and she just went head on straight into it and that's all that's who Katie Gold was at the time I'm sure the Katie Gold you talk to now might say oh yeah I learned I hope she says well she wouldn't have any regrets because nothing that I don't think Katie's got anything to regret but I wonder I'll be interested to hear has she learned some things like I feel I have and going yeah well, not just I uh, play the game differently because the game's different, but but I learned this about myself. I'd be interested to hear what she thinks. I, I've had the chance to, to chat to Katie a few times, and she's the only one of you guys I've actually met in person, uh, which I did recently when I was in Melbourne. But the one thing that I... I'm a mad Katie fan, but one thing when I spoke to her a couple of years ago, she had a similar thing to you. She hadn't watched any Survivor basically since her season. We had her on another one of my shows to recap that week's Australian Survivor. So she's like, okay, I haven't watched it in like, you know, 15 years at the time. I'll watch a couple of episodes. We'll see how we go. She was onto it like straight away. She could analyze every single thing that was happening. She could read these players. She had a perfect read of it. And that to me was what, like just amazed me about her from somebody who hadn't been watching the show, hadn't played it, that she was still so quick to be able to get it. And just the things she was kind of pointing out, it's incredible. So I think Katie just, she, she has sort of that mindset, someone like yourself, someone like Rob, where she might yeah. be more easily manipulated than yourself and Rob, but I still think she's got a, a mind where, at least my read of it, that she can still connect and sort of see where things are going. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Katie's no idiot, that's for sure. And that, you know, as a professional athlete, she would have been bred to sum people up, work them out, and, and quickly, you know. So she, uh, there's nothing wrong. Katie played a great game plan. It's just that... Here's my perception, though. Rob took it to another level. He was smart about, and I love Shona, and, you know, I've really got to choose my words carefully here because Shona has her own story to tell and and how things have affected her. The game affected us all. But I think Rob was genius, as in Lucinda could have been my Shona. Rob, when he talks about, will you vote out your brother? No. But Rob also, from the things I've heard through Rob and and through others, like some of the producers, Rob was uh, quite incredible with the way he played because he knew there was, you got Sophie with mother, you got Jane, you had a few people who were quite religious and wanting to be genuinely good people. Um, and so Rob from day one was going to have Shona next to him because Rob played the cards of I've got a young kid at home who's missing me, my wife, we want to bring the, use the money to bring my wife, I think it was his mother-in-law from Zimbabwe and, and I, you know, all these things. And they could all be very true, but his genius was he made them all know about it. And he knew that if I have a 49-year-old single woman who is not a man's lady or a lady's man. Shona was, didn't rub, she was, you can see she was rubbing some people a little, but just because Shona was great. She's like, I'm here to survive, I'm here to win. And so some other people didn't like, so Rob knew, if you're going to vote for me or Shona, who are you going to vote for? He knew he could win over Shona. And that was bloody genius. 
And where I feel sorry for Shona, and, and it's Shona's story, not mine, you know, if Shona played a brilliant game and I, I would have teamed up with Shona if I was on that tribe, but I don't think I would have had the genius that Rob had to think people would vote for me over Shona. That's where he was next level. But, you know, you put yourself in Shona's shoes. You've given it everything you've got. You've played all the right moves and you don't win because the voters think that Rob deserves it more because of those things. That's why I didn't vote for Rob, because in the game, to me, nobody deserved that money over anyone for any other reason than the game. And I, at that stage, saw I saw Shona as overcoming more hurdles to get to the end as, you know, being a bit of the odd one out and not as clicky with them. Whereas Rob, I thought it was an easier ride because he was you know, a nice guy, good-looking guy, could play Katie, could play the mums, oh, I've got my poor kids and I've got all this stuff. And I don't know this. This is my own guess. Like when I saw the footage of Rob pulling out his letter from Dusty, oh, it's my birthday, you know, and the crying and all that stuff, I'm sort of going, oh, bullshit, because I'm thinking, who finds a letter in their pocket happens to be on your birthday when you've only got one pair of pants? And but if he and I don't know, it could be me overanalyzing things. But if he did that, he's a freaking genius, because he played at the heartstrings. Shona played the game and thought she was going to win because she played the game, which is probably where I would have gone. But Rob played the heartstrings of people. Sophie's going to vote for me. She's a mother. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to lose Katie because I've pissed her off so much. But Katie's got me here. Like, he, he was next level genius, I think. And you sum everything up perfectly. And to hear these extra layers kind of that you're adding to it, I've been adamant to this day that Rob is still the greatest player to ever play Australian Survivor. He might have a slight challenger now based on the most recent winner of All-Stars. That's a huge conversation that we'll have another day. But yeah. the thing, the thing that I think... One of the many things that frustrates me in that your season, and also I guess I will add the Channel 7, the celebrity one, doesn't get any recognition today, is that you have great players from those seasons, in particular someone like Rob, who put him up against a majority of American winners. He's even better than they are because the way he yep. played your season. And that's frustrating because Rob, and it's even sadder obviously that he's no longer with us, Rob deserves credit for what he did on your season. Yeah, 100%. You know, it, 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 I'm a bigger person now than I was after the first week of coming off. Could I have said that about Rob then? No, nah, definitely can now. And and I love you, Shona, but, and, and it hurts me to say this, but, I, you know, the right person did win in the end. And um, But it doesn't change. I don't have a regret about my vote. I, like I said, I voted for Shona because I thought she overcame more hurdles to get to the end. And I I could, I could, felt like I could see Rob's game plan around your playing on the heartstrings and you don't deserve it because of that, so I'm not voting for you. But it was still genius to do it. I've got to say, Matt, quickly, just before you, you ask a question there, we, we are officially at our longest ever episode of ASA, so uh, and we've still got plenty Sorry, of coming. Sorry, guys, just, I warned everyone you. Everyone give I you a quick round of applause. <laughs> this is fantastic work we're doing here. 
I know for, for you, both of you, this is probably new ground. I, I've still got about another three hours in me from my longest previous uh, interview on Survivor Oz. Uh, so, you know, just, just pointing it I, out. I did, war- I did warn you they call me the preacher and I can talk. And I just love the game <laughs> as much as you guys. So I've got another episode in there. Matt, Matt's only gone one <laughs> once to the toilet. So you're doing all right so far. Could you imagine if David Haas made merge, how long I would have kept him on the line to talk about his game? <laughs> I, mean, I kept him on the line for nearly two hours and he lasted six, you know, nine days. So. You're challenging me to that when we get Katie on in a few weeks, aren't you, Matt? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, a few a few things, obviously, though, we've still got to cover. But the one thing that I at – the, at the reunion, Katie and you have a bit of a go at each other. It's great fun. But Katie mentions that two minutes oh, yeah. before you guys go to the ship to vote, you whisper to Rob that Katie has been asking me to vote for you to kind of stir that pot again. What happened there? Like, how did Rob react to that when you're basically about to go to tribal council? Well, I don't know. He didn't, like, arc up, but I just hope it screwed with his head. Um, It was just a last-minute FU card to play, really. Um, I don't know. It was just... It wasn't that I sat there and thought about it hours before. It was just, um, you know, it was just all I could do to screw with their head and 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 try and have an influence on the game, even if it wasn't going to keep me there any longer. Well, one of the things also at the reunion is is Eddie McGuire mentioned to you last year, like why didn't you call oh, everyone else? Sorry, the Ben. Did you, did, sorry, I might have misheard you. Did you say that happened at the reunion? Yeah, so that bit with well, oh. Katie mentioned at the reunion that that's what oh. happened, and then and then Eddie oh. sort of had asked you beforehand, why didn't you call them all out at, around the campfire? And you didn't really answer the the question. Did that ever pop in your head to like around the campfire okay. one night? Everyone's doing this. Come on, guys, let's let's cause some drama right now. Yeah, sorry, no, I don't remember doing that. But anyway, if I did, I did. Um... <laughs> I'm just gonna ju- I'm just gonna jump in there, Ben. As nothing ever comes good of calling people out, it, Craig. I call people out at my tribal and end up being first out. So you probably not that it mattered in the end. You're going home. Oh, but, but as yeah. one of our listeners pointed out, Matt, you're a shit player. So <laughs> <laughs> look, I think you raise a fair point. If I'm getting your question right, if I had done it out in the open around the campfire, God. Well, yes, it would have made for great TV, maybe. And it would have been interesting. And, like, yeah, in hindsight, it wouldn't have been fun to have done that. But I think at the time I just thought my game was win everything and stay, and that's what I was focused on. I knew it was probably pushing shit uphill. But at the same time, I thought screwing with their heads was going to be more effective by just whispering in the ears of people. I was trying to plant paranoia in them and you know if i did it in the campfire in front of everyone they all just would have denied it and and just said oh craig's just trying to stir shit and shut up craig and whatever um i just thought it had more effect if i just did it one by one because then i could respond to their reaction and i could bullshit or i could tell them what was really going on but that would have been a lot harder to achieve i think in a group setting there's no doubt that the rivalry between you and Rob was was one of the – If I think it's the biggest of the season. I think production would have done anything to keep that going, even another another episode. It was that – it made for great TV. In the end, Rob, Rob did get the better of He goes on to win 
to win the game despite you not voting for him. But do you remember all those years later when the news, when you, the unfortunate news that came out that he had passed away? Do you remember where you were and how you felt? Oh, at that? yeah. Yeah, I, that was funny. Well, not funny. It was, I found it interesting. So I flew down to his funeral um, along, and Naomi was there and I were there. We're the only two people that I saw there from from the show, I, and like, and, and my wife at, at the time, Prue. So the three of us were there, um, and, you know, you just saw what an influence the man had. Like, you know, there was a whole football fraternity there. There was a cut, you know. It, as much as I was jealous as hell of, of him, um, I... I did respect the guy and, and, and um, you know, and it was terribly tragic for him and his kids and to see Dusty there and, um, you know, it, it was sad and, you know, it's a shame he's not here to tell his side of the story and I hope someone from his family can. And, I'll, and, and, and if they're listening to this, give me shit, give me heaps. If that's what Rob said, that's all good. I'd love to hear it. Um, but, he, yeah, I've just... It wasn't until I could deal with the fact that ah, I get over the jealousy, I guess, of Rob in the game that I could even respect him more for the game he played. He was, he was a, I would love to have had a beer with him afterwards because I know from the conversations that others have had with him and what they've told me that he felt the same and I, I just think we probably saw each other, ourselves in each other, but I still think Rob was a bit next level to me at that stage in life. And I think that's what's most important Important in a good rivalry is that it, at the end of the day, whoever comes out on top, there's still that respect from both parties mm. that, you know, what, it's like anything. One always comes out on top, but it doesn't mean that you're definitely any better or not. It just means they got the better of you on, on that occasion and then you have that, that mutual respect for each other. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it, it was nice and I think it's nice to look back to think that Rob thought, well, you could have been me. Um, we were just in different tribes and it just played out differently. Did you keep in touch with him a lot, like in those years from after you played till he passed away? Did you keep in touch no. at all? No, no. Most of the stuff, the co- like my ex-wife did, they were, they, had, they were quite close. And so there were a number of conversations between Rob and I was sort of via via Prue, so it was sort of like, oh well, he said this, and I said, oh, I say this, and and so I, I've got a, you know, but it wasn't a lot of, I don't think I don't recall many conversations one on one to Rob. It was more just like at the, at the, you know, the, the live finale and things like that, and um, because he was at that stage, I moved to New South Wales, and you're doing sort of things after the show, but. I saw Rob at the Logies and all that kind of stuff, but not. I didn't get to do any D&Ms with him, unfortunately. And just for our listeners, in case they're wondering why Rob was keeping in touch with your wife at the time and not you, it's because Prue was involved in the show, correct? Yeah, yeah. So Prue was um, uh, the contestant coordinator. So originally she was Stephen Peter's assistant, I think. and Well, not I think, I just think that's the title. So she was involved with the show right from the start. And then when we went to filming and all that, she was a contestant coordinator with another girl. Um, and so they looked after us all. So 
so that's how she was close to everybody and and you know and that's like i said i, I got close with a lot of the crew the crew were just a fantastic group of people so it, it seems her role as contestants coordinator she coordinated with you pretty well then <laughs> well this is what i think because her, her and steven ended up being close and it's like well Good on you. Like, couldn't you have produced it so he won? Like, we got yeah. nothing out of it, you know? Oh. Bloody hell, where we could be now. I think Rob always thought, oh, you you got the girl and I got the money, but I was like, I'd swap you any day, especially now. <laughs> like, 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 as if I would be like, I would have, I was there to win. I didn't want the girl, I wanted the money. What was your relationship like with Stephen Peters? Uh, obviously, he cast you and you were on the show, but did you have any other interactions with him sort of even once you were voted out or after the show? No, not really. Like, you know, he was sort of the god of the show. He was like, you know, from what I understand, you know, he was meant to be the gun producer at the time, and I'm sure he was, and he was heading up the biggest show that was on the books at the time. So he was sort of like, you didn't really get too much time with him. I did get time with him after I got booted. He... I don't know. I did ask Naomi this because I, I, again, what I got told is, um, so Stephen, when I got booted off the ship, uh, it was actually Prue. One of the two contestant coordinators would be waiting for you, and then Prue was waiting, and she took me to a car and said, "Oh, Stephen wants like wants to talk to you." I got told that you know he wanted to pick my brain, and um, so I got into a car and Stephen drove me back and. At the time, I got told that was a bit unusual, but I'm sure Stephen did it with whomever he wanted to chat to. It was just how it worked. But he asked me a few things, or you know, and he told me a few things, and just just generally about the show. But I remember him saying, you know, have you got anything you want to say? And I was like, can I be? You, can I be on? Said, yeah, be. Honest. I went. Have all those fucking bloody contestants? They are the idiots you put me with. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds really arrogant and um, I don't like – he laughed, but and his comment was um, – what did he say? He goes, oh, it, things didn't play out how we expected them to. And I went, no, no shit. <laughs> but, so, but that was where my head was at the time. I was I, – I, I remember Lucinda said, oh, they had psychologists, you know, a lot of people needed support. Well, not, no, maybe like Lucinda was with David, Tim, Jeff in the house. So maybe, maybe that was for them. But no, when I stepped off that ship, I was like, rah, wow, you know, I was so, but it is, it, it was over then. It was, um, I didn't have any regrets and I didn't, you know, it was what it was. But I did say that and he did laugh and it was just more, I didn't know where to turn the frustration to. It wasn't everyone else's fault. Like I said, the dynamics were all of us. We are all responsible for how it ended up. So once you're voted out, I mean, the game didn't end for you there because obviously you're out of the game, but you're you're going back to the house where you're going to see Naomi because obviously you're on the jury. You end up with Prue, who was part of the show. So you, you definitely had a lot going on. That like this game has definitely changed your life. Oh hell yeah! I was um, I, like I said, I've been travelling three years. I only came home for a brief period of time to see my family and I was going to save up some more cash and go travelling over in Africa for another few years and then saw the show, rest is history. And I was a 27-year-old electrician. I, I was thinking, 
didn't give a shit about what happened after Survivor. I didn't want a TV career or sell some books or whatever the hell it was. I just wanted to win the money and get onto an American Survivor. That was my goal. And then when it didn't work out, I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll rack off. But then I got given some opportunities and said, oh, come and try this, try that. So I flew up to New South Wales and thought, oh, I'll just see how it goes for a while. Like, why not? And I can always go back traveling or as an electrician. And, and you know, I got given different opportunities. And I just thought, like I said, it was a roller coaster ride. I rode the front seat for as long as it lasted. What was that jury experience like? Because we learned from Naomi last week that you guys didn't actually get to stay together. You were all kind of separated. Yeah. So, I mean, what was that like? Were you expecting to see Naomi that night and surprised that you didn't? No, I don't really know what I thought, to be honest. I never thought about the game after that. Like, you just, your, your, your mind and focus was on the main prize. So the whole rest of it after that was all just a new experience. And I think that's because you didn't think about it. That's sort of what got you through those times was, oh, you just did what you were told. And we spent the first night with those um, contestant coordinators and they keep an eye on you to make sure you're not going to, you know, do anything silly. And then, um, yeah, I got taken to some some people's house and they had a uh, granny flat out the back and this is my new home. And you got told you are not to leave here if you need to leave and do anything you ring us, we'll come get you. They they took you on a few little excursions so you didn't go stir crazy. But you just had to amuse yourself until the next tribal council and then they drove you on out and you weren't allowed to speak to anybody. Wow, wow. How, how many blocks of chocolate did you consume on those first couple of days? <laughs> Who knows? I wouldn't have been enough no matter how many. <laughs> I mean, you talk about causing the shit with the Depara members and not knowing really if it worked until you saw it. How how great was that to watch the, the final few weeks of it when everybody crumbles mm. and particularly... Katie in that final episode, you know, you thought you got called to names. You know, Rob was dumb as dog shit and get fucked and she wanted to kill everyone. So, you know, you got oh, lazy, look, I think. There's no doubt I was smiling, but it was, you know, it was nothing compared to wanting to be at the end. Like, you know, I looked at Katie and I just went, you know, oh, well, I just had a little giggle and went, it's so it did actually have an impact. Well, at least we had something to do with the show. But at the same time, I was just more envious of them playing the game. I was like, good luck to them. Like, I was amazed watching it play out. And I I really felt sorry for Katie because especially that last night, I think one of the other contestants mentioned it, and I I had forgotten how how this show, you've got to remember how much reality TV affects people. And that's what I don't think the producers understand. No one does. You know you're signing yourself up for anything. But it still affects people. And Katie gave it her all, and she was a fantastic player. And to watch all that live in front of people and they had her in a separate room, it was tough, and she stood up well. Um, So, you know, I've got a lot of respect for her. She's a tough cookie, but bloody hell, that must have been hard. And, um, yeah, it was such an interesting journey. We we mentioned about you sort of not being around when social media was there. I mean, Katie would have just been torn to absolute shreds had had that been a thing. I mean, Matt lasted one bloody episode, and he had Clementine Ford calling him a sexist pig and all this kind of stuff based on his episode, and he was only on screen for five minutes, basically. Poor old Matt. (laughs) I can't imagine that, Matt. Jesus. Nah, uh, they they got me wrong there, but it's... um... 
it is a different world now. Like playing with social media, uh, playing Survivor with the social media that comes after it. I mean, it's it can be it can be a good friend if they edit you as the hero, but if they edit you as the villain or you know mm. whatever, it, it you know people people forget it's a, it's an edited show. They forget it's a, it's a, it's a game. You're, you're trying to do things to to get you know to get to the end to get the money. Um, you know, and obviously you do things that you wouldn't do in your normal life because you are playing for half a million dollars. But, uh, you know, I think it would be better to play in an era where there's no social media. Um, but, yeah, it can really... I mean, Katie, Ben's absolutely right. If if Katie played like that now, oh, I mean, it would just be headlines on social media. Every Everyone would have an opinion about her. Well, you've got to remember, like, yeah, and, and I have no doubt you're right, but the poor girl also got caned, like... You know, a lot of people loved they they love to hate someone. They love yep. an underdog. You know, the audience want to get swept up in it all. And you know, like you say, it didn't rate well, and it didn't. She's kind of lucky it didn't rate well and have a bigger audience because I guess they love to hate her. But she was just fighting hard. You got to give her credit. So, um, but it just must have for her because she was so fiercely. In my take on it, and let's see what she says, but. Because she's so fiercely competitive and she gave it her all and I think she really thought she was in a good position. She obviously thought it was her and Rob. But Rob was never going to go up against Katie because he could have lost. Because I could, if it was Rob and Katie, knowing what I knew on the on the ground, I would have voted Katie. So there you have it. I, I well, would have that's... voted Katie over Rob. Well, that was a question I was going to ask because we asked that to Naomi and I think this will be an interesting one to kind of get that tally. So we Naomi mentioned she would have voted for Rob. You would have voted for Katie. The other one that I don't think could have happened, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and I'm assuming you would have still voted the same way, Shona v. Joel. Shona. Does Joel, Joel get a would, vote? Joe, Joel would never have got my vote. He, he, he wasn't... He, like, I don't mean... A, like. And it's only from what I could see at the time, right? Not all the episodes are. I just never saw Joel make any play. He just went along with... you got to remember, what they say in their confessionals to what's happening outside of that can be very different. It's easy to talk yourself up, and I'm happy. Like, I could be bullshitting you completely here, and please, every other contestant, slap me in the head if I'm wrong. Um but that's just how it is. Like you can you can say things, but what you do and say are two different, completely, two, completely two different things. There's gonna be a lot of slapping at this reunion in a couple. Yeah, because I, I just you know, I don't. Uh, yeah, I just love the show. I love it, and I, and I, I don't know if I'm coming across as arrogant or not. But but give it back to me if I am. You know, <laughs> coming across as a young warrior, Craig. I think so. So <laughs> oh, just to keep keep yeah, that tally you. going, Matt. Two two in. Uh, Rob v Katie. It's currently one one. And Shona v. Joel, it's currently two to Shona, zero to Joel. So uh, just we'll, That'll we'll be keep... interesting when you get to the end of this. Uh, and, and But you could, my point to Shona and, and see what she says, how hard is it for Shona and Katie to get so close and to hear these sorts of things? Like, it's, 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 it's a show, it's a game that is played hard and people put their lives on the line and, and it's, it's not easy. Well, we've had one contestant. Um, she was on my season, and, and then on All Stars, um, Shan. She's she's played a hundred days, got to the end twice, but has never won. Wow! So she's she's never been voted out, 
So both times she lasted the whole game, 50 days, just like Shona lasted 39. I was, was going to say you didn't listen to me earlier, Matt, but I think that's when you went and took a piss. So you're, you're off the... the I, I did bring her up earlier, but no, you're right. You, you took a... Just to put you on the spot there. You, you... I, duck, I duck away for one minute and the one... <laughs> can you, what's, what's the odds? What's the, the one odds? thing you bring I up. I was going along with it. Now, obviously, we've kind of covered a lot of the game. There's a few things to sort of outside of the game that we're, that we're really, really intrigued about. But just one final thing on the game. You, you mentioned about how you weren't aware of things like that we call confessionals now and things like that. They, they actually... The real fans out there, and we had a great listener send this into us, they do things called confessional counts, and it's kind of a, a Survivor yep. fan's way of measuring sort of an edit of a player because obviously certain players are going to get a bigger edit than others, particularly the winner. For the most part, the winner will get more confessionals than any other player. You yep. got 40 confessionals in your season, which was only behind oh. Rob, Katie, and Shona, showing that you really were sort of in that top tier of, I guess, the Ooh. people who were shown. I mean, were you surprised at how much airtime you got given what happened or was it kind of you were expecting it in some way given how hard you were fighting towards the end? No, that surprises me. Those are interesting statistics. I didn't know you could measure it that way. It makes me feel good, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I, I went there to be a part of the game. So to hear that I was worth looking at is kind of a nice to hear, to be honest. Well, speaking of nice to be looked at, we'll get to some of those in a second. But the, the big, the pressing question, I've been sitting on this for a week and a half because Matt, Matt, well, longer than that, Matt and I had a bet a couple of weeks ago. I think it was when Naomi got voted out on that episode we covered. We, we kind of said, like, we've got Naomi on the show next week. We're going to, you know, we've got to find out her and Craig, that they get together. Matt said no. I said yes. Naomi gave us the cryptic answer last week of, oh, you know, we hung out a bit, we did this, but maybe you need to ask Craig. Craig will answer. So, come on, Craig, tell us. You and you and Naomi, I don't want this friendship bullshit. Did you two hook up? Why throwing me under the bus? Like, are you referring to what happened on the show or off the show? Anytime. Oh. Anytime. Well, I can tell you certainly nothing happened on the show, like oh, fish breath and ugh. no thanks. <laughs> um, we had a lovely night together on the show. There's no doubt about that. But, um, oh, that's a tricky question. Look, Naomi and I did hang out a bit after. There was a few things to uh, – we went to some events together. Sometimes you had a few drinks. Sometimes you got a bit cosy, like – Oh, I can't. I'm you hooked okay. up. You they hooked up, Ben. Ben, up. you won. I lost. A gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. This is, is this is like high school coming home from a weekend. <laughs> did you and Naomi? What happened after we left you guys? Like you two, you two did it. <laughs> Flat out, right now. Come on, yes or no? This is hard, hard nut journalist Ben. Did you two do it? Naomi and I hung out. We had some great times together. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, Ben. I think officially now we can put it in the book, put the rubber stamp on. They are officially the first ever Australian Survivor couple. Whether it lasted very long or not, it doesn't no, matter. the couple wasn't that Col- – what was Colby? Colby and – yeah, but that's American. We're talking about that's Australian. America. We're talking about Australian survival. Oh, People think it's Lee and L. It's not Lee and L. It's Naomi and Craig. Uh, you He's did blushing, look, Matt. It, He's it blushing. Suited, Craig. I tell you, it didn't seem well suited. Wow. There we go. Good. Good. To, that's. I'm going to think about this. What we're going to name the book? It's going to be Sylvan's Fantasy World. Watching Craig and Naomi do it. There we go. Long title, <laughs> but it's going to sell well. 
better than whatever uh, Sylvan called his book. I can't remember. But, I mean, what was it like watching it and the reaction? Because I think you mentioned to me off air there was a, a poll going on 9MSN at the time, you know, vote for your favourite. You were pretty much the fan favourite throughout the season. But did you get that in public if you went out to the shops? Were you getting recognised? Like, what was that period like? Oh, I think it's similar to what Matt has said as well. Like, straight after, yes, there was weird stuff. I remember, and I, I, I just remember one girl coming up to me, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, you know how you said on such and such and such and such that you love your mum's roast? I love my mum's roast. We love the same <laughs> things. I'm like, huh? I was like, what? What are you talking about? And I, I just couldn't believe some of the detail uh, that these fans like look into all they you, you just yeah, these losers analyzing the show get a life God. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's great i lo- like it just like i said it was all about the game and all the weird stuff that happened afterwards was lovely like the fact that people cared like you know you're on a camping trip playing for i went on a camping trip for a half a million bucks end of story some idiots ran around with cameras and filmed it that was like the side bit. And so all the stuff that happened afterwards, like Logies and bloody stu- the magazine things, like whatever, it was all weird. Um, but it was fun. So it was, you know, my family got a lot of fun out of it. I said, I think my brother, yeah, he goes, well, let's go into the mall. I want to follow you around and see what happens. Like <laughs> it was just weird. It was, but, but lovely. Like anyone that ever came up to you or said something, I always gave them as much time as they wanted because – it was a privilege to be a part of that 16. So if people want to talk about it, go for it. You mentioned the magazine, so we, we have to talk about it. You, you were <laughs> in a few. You were the finalists of, like, the top 25 sexiest people of 2002. I've got, ben, I can like, even do you better, yeah, Matt. I've got the words here. Like, for material? Well, <laughs> look at some of the things you've said. I, I, I was going to read this out last week, but I thought I would say this to, to, you know, get you to blush a little bit more in this episode in the who magazine 25 sexiest people of the year or beautiful people you were in it lovely picture of you in some i guess reeds or something your shirt open showing off the reed good job but it says here ask abbott what's sexy and he lists the characteristics he finds attractive in women successful determined physically active sound familiar i guess it might be similar to myself he allowed <laughs> simultaneously blushing from frowning. But I certainly don't want to go out with myself. I'm not sexy. God, they write some shit. shit. I reckon I got... I reckon are you I saying got that... Man. Sorry, Craig, are you saying that didn't come from your mouth? No. <laughs> I got, you get caned more on, I reckon, print than you do on TV because at least they can only edit. Like I said earlier, they can... They, they, could only edit what comes out of your mouth but in print they get to interpret it and write whatever the hell they like so as if you're gonna say i'm looking for someone who's like me what a <laughs> god you've got to well, be up well it gets it, it gets a bit better um you say here <laughs> when i put my mind to something i don't feel anyone can ever stop me he applies the mm. same determination to enjoying life's luxuries like he's must have chocolate everyday addiction to which you add I like the soft ones, he laughs, because you can suck them until they collapse. And it's followed by, now that's sexy. 
Jesus. The first bit sounds true. The second bit, yeah, I would suck chocolate until it closed. But where does the sexy bit come into it? You said it, apparently. I I, I think oh. I don't think that's what, no. I think that's not the quote. Is that's this their N- little is this comment NW, afterwards. Uh, is this the NW this is people. magazine? This is People magazine. People magazine. How, how many magazines were you in, Craig? Well... Funny you say that, Matthew Dyson, because I have Cleo in front of me. I'm a regular subscriber. I do love my Cleo. Uh, To which, of course, you were a finalist in Bachelor of the Year. A lovely picture of you here with nothing on but a towel. Looking great, Craig. I know your wife's a fan of this picture. Oh, that's a shocker. (laughs) It says here, want to take this boy home to meet mum. Just make sure you dress him first or she won't let him go. He'll be your very own Bush Tucker man. Who better to go out back with? And it says here, they ask you the question, how does a girl survive a first date with you? You answered, there is actually a secret test. I have a really old car with no central locking. So if I unlock her door, then she leans over and locks mine while I'm walking around. I love that. It's reverse chivalry and so considerate. That's true. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. What about your ideal I thought woman? My roasting, I thought my roasting days were over. And my oh, no. You can't but let you know this go. <laughs> no, I. that's true. I had an old HG Holden. And if you, yeah, I still believe in chivalry. So you open the door for a girl. And I remember because one girl did it. And by the time I walked around, she leaned over and opened the door. And I just remember going, no one else has ever done that. I like this chick. She's a nice, she's a keeper. And then you got married. <laughs> so that's no. true. That is true. Your ideal you woman, know my... fit, healthy, Sorry? intelligent, and ambitious. Your favorite body part, hmm, a nice little bum. Yep, you're um, doing the shape things there. I like that. What drives you wild in the bedroom? Would you like me to read this, Craig? Oh, God. Uh, shit. <laughs> All right, Go everyone ahead. listening. It's, okay. It's got to be. It's got to involve chocolate, doesn't it, Ben? It says Naomi. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, there are so many things, but ultimately, confidence. If the lights are on, she's naked and doesn't care. Some girls take the whole doona just to go to the bathroom, and it's ridiculous. If we've just been that intimate, why do it? Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I still stand by that. Confidence is a good, is a sexy thing. Yeah, yeah, none of this doona yep. crap. Okay. No, you don't need to hide. You, you let it all out. And your, your turn off here, do you, I don't know if you still have this turn off, smoking. It's so revolting if a girl blows it in my face. Yeah, I was never a fan of a smoker. But I love it's the little bits that they add. They go, what is it? Oh, what, what turns you off the way? Smoker. But where are they going to blow it in my face? Like, they just love <laughs> to add the little bits. <laughs> how, how did it all come about? Like, how, how did you... And did, does it say where he finished? Uh, I know it was the top twenty-five. Did they actually name the number one? Or Craig, you there, there would have been. Us? There would have been a clear oh, bachelor God, of the no. year. But you have a look at the magazine. I never had a hope in hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's some uh, good-looking rigs in there. Um, no, I don't know how it happens. It all just this shit happens afterwards, and um, like, yeah, I think I can't even remember who from Channel Nine asked me to come up or whether I, don't, I can't remember how it all unfolded but yeah there was a few opportunities like you figure what well, just if some idiot wants to interview me and put me in a magazine then sure i'll talk about it um but uh you know and then but but yeah you're sort of pinching yourself going well hang on a minute as if i'm in the sexiest people you guys are desperate for a magazine but you just do it why not 
And then um, idiots like us bring it up 18 years later when you thought it's, it's in the past. It's not that you regret it. Yeah, <laughs> at the time you go, ah, whatever, what can hurt? But, the, but it comes back to your point, like, these days on social media, oh, God, I'd hate to be, I would be a lot more guarded, I think, about what I did. Then you just went, ah, whatever, have some fun with it. Take the piss out of yourself. Who cares? Um, it was just a ride. It was fun. So, but now I think, yeah, it can that can destroy you and quickly. Oh, I think it's a scarier world now. We looked everywhere for that magazine. I we couldn't find it on eBay or anywhere, but Naomi actually had copies of them, so that's where we yeah, got it from. Right. So you can you can thank her. I'm defriending her as soon as I get off this interview. <laughs> the other thing too, which I think is funny, we we like to uh, look at this uh, Herald Sun article before your season. Luke Dennehy did a little form guide uh, to try and predict how things were going. About you, he wrote that you were a pro, was that you were physically very strong, but your con, rumours that he's a bit of a ladies' man won't go in his favour. Uh. <laughs> why? I wonder why he thinks that wouldn't be in your favour. What was he rated, Ben? He, you, you were rated a three and a half. Uh, you were behind on, on Kadena. Karen out, of got a, out of five. So you three and a half of five. Karen got four. Deb got four and a half. Naomi got four. Uh, they were the only ones ahead of you. Uh, you'll be pleased to know David only got two and a half. So you were, you were a bit ahead did of him. Did Dave write that or did... Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, David, David was only rated two and a half. So. No, nah, well, he would have given himself a five. <laughs> you, you actually got the same star rating as Jane. So there you go. <laughs> Jesus. Well, oh, well, hopefully I proved that guy wrong. And the, the final one I'll have here, the, the official Survivor handbook, which we're, we're big fans of here, um, sort of mentions here, your phobias actually are snakes. How did you handle the snakes out there, if that's your phobia? Yeah. Well, I learned how to kill them, but they wouldn't <laughs> let me. I, look, I do hate snakes, so I don't really like them now, like, but, but I was going to eat them. Yeah, that's that's one way of doing it. Uh, you, what pisses you off? This is very relevant to today at the moment. Someone who coughs in coughs in your face. So you were very much yeah. on that whole thing back then. Uh, you mentioned your favourite sporting team, the Cats. Now Matt, not an AFL man, mm. but Geelong. You know, had a pretty yeah. successful last sort of decade and a bit. So uh, they've done Cats pretty good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your favourite TV show, All Saints. Uh, got the box set, yeah. do you, Craig? Do you like to catch up on All Saints? That's a funny one. Jeez, I. Yeah, I wouldn't have said that today, that's for sure. Anyway, at the time. And your favourite chocolate or lollies, you have, of course, written Cadbury's Black Forest Chocolate. Of course you Uh, have. Um, And some of the other ones here that you have, uh, I do like, this is one thing that we mentioned last week. If you were stranded uh, on an island, who would you most like to be stranded with? You've written, I could certainly uh, think handle some bikini models or or some famous actresses but as stranded could be forever, it would be the love of my life. Aww. Oh, what a Aww. nice guy. Look at Jeez. that. That's why you're in the Cleo Bachelor of the Year That's finals. someone you take home to meet you, mum, surely. Yeah, you definitely have a, <laughs> You definitely have a soft spot for, for girls in bikinis, though, I can tell. It seems to be a oh, bit of a look, theme. I, I've consistently answered bum as my favourite. <laughs> I think if you've got a great bum, the rest of the body's going to match, you know? That's yeah, true. That's uh, true. I'm on that same page. Craig, 
look, it's been a lot of fun, but I mean, well, you've mentioned, you've sort of teased a little bit, a few things here about kind of what you've been up to and everything, uh, sort of things like that. Uh, I mean, a lot to cover in 18 years, but, but how's, how's things right now? What's, what's been going on? What's, what's Craig up to in, in 2020? Hmm. Pretty boring stuff, really living life. I mean, I've got a beautiful wife and a new child is seven months old and I've got some great kids, uh, Finn and Scar, to give them a shout out while we're here. And, um, just, uh, you know, I came to Sydney for the fun after Survivor and 18 years I'm still here. So it's certainly, you know, led me to where I am today and um, I've just, uh, you know, been working. I, I'm now not an electrician anymore. I, I work for an oil and gas company running a medical service and, and that company is where I met my current wife. So just life's good and um, cruising. I'm just waiting for the next opportunity to, to get on Survivor. Which leads me to to what I have to ask this. Like, do you wish they rang you for all stars? Like you said earlier, you would have you would have taken off and gone. Like, is that is that something when you heard that there was going to be an all stars that they you never got the call? No, well, not so much the um, the Australian one, the Channel Ten one, because I just remember thinking, bloody hell, how are they doing all stars already? I was more hoping for the American one. I was look, my dream was to win. And then they would have an international survivor and I'd get a chance. And um, so much so that even I think about a year or two after, I was about to say, I was looking, I was seriously about to quit my job and go and fly to America and try and send myself in a box to Mark Burnett or whoever the hell it was over there I needed to convince. So, yeah, it, given any opportunity, if Channel 10's listening or whoever else, give me a call. I'm there in a second. I just, I, I always like to ask this question. I mean, it, we generally get the same answer. It's similar to the, sort of the Whaler's Way one we asked at the beginning, but I still think it's good to get the perspective of, of people from your, your cast. Do you feel that there needs to be more recognition from your season? Because as I sort of mentioned to you a bit off air, how the modern version, fans of Australian Survivor just do not like to acknowledge that your season or the Channel 7 celebrity one exists. I mean, do you feel there needs to be more recognition that the fact that you were part of the first ever group to ever play Australian Survivor? Well, until you pointed it out, I didn't know that's how they thought of us. Um, well, what I do you say it, to people who think that then, Craig? There you go. Light the fire. Well, pull the carrot out of your ass, and we were there. <laughs> you, you, you can't um, deny that it happened just because it's like a lot's evolved. And, um, you know, I'm only – I know that my family and friends, I, I've got some of my family that love the new one and would love to get on it. Um, um but I had no idea people just wiped us off. I knew we didn't rate very well, but I, I just I just assumed that we were acknowledged. Um, I, I didn't care about – I understand why Channel 10 do their Well, we're Series 1 and stuff, but I didn't know people were writing us off like that. And it's a shame because it was by far the most heavily promoted season of all time in Australia. So, And I, I see you, you're there, you're sitting there, you've got your buff on. You, you've got a very impressive memorabilia collection, the best that we've seen from any past contestant. Can you yeah. tell us a few of the things you have and what your favourite or what means the most to you? Well, again, like I thank you guys because it's been an absolute blast to talk to you. It's been an absolute blast to relive Survivor. I haven't done it for 18 years, but you made me go and get a box out of the garage and bless my mum. She's kept everything. I didn't even know half these things were there, but I've got... I've got the Survivor mouse pad, which was a pretty hot item I hear now. But <laughs> I've also got a lot of um, 
I've got a lot of the clues and stuff from the show. So I didn't realise till I was watching just yesterday to refresh my memory that I've got the box, I've got a lot of the clues to the challenge. I've got the two shells that in the immunity challenge where the food where I've got booted off. My mum kept a scrapbook with all of the photos, all those magazines, like she's even like the Who, the Cleo and all that stuff. And I've also got I've got a buff on its original it came on this cardboard cutout and I didn't even know the buff I've got around my neck now is my original. I didn't, I thought I'd lost it. I opened up the box and it was there. And, um, and I'd heard you speak in earlier episodes, Ben, around, oh, I'd love to see the contracts and the letters. I've got all of that. Mum's kept every letter. So right to the thanks for your application, you're down to 500 or you're down to 50 you're now in the show. I've got the letter that says the rules when you went to to Adelaide. All of it. Um, she kept my you know, the Logies invites and the passes. So I've got to thank Mum for all that because it's been a blast to go through. It's fun. It's good. It was a good time of my life. Quick thing on the Logies that I wanted to mention because you were telling me this uh, off air as well. You, you got to be there on a pretty special night. Elton John, Shakira, Beyonce, you got to hang out with these A-listers. <laughs> yeah, I got told by nine. When I got the invite, I'm thinking, holy shit, what next? Like Presenting a Logies, like my stepsister and brother and my brother all drove up to watch me walk the red carpet because they loved the Logies at the time and I remember Channel 9, some of the, I'm sitting on the table and the guy, one of the head honchos at 9 says, don't screw this up, there's 2 million people watching. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. So I had to get up, yeah, and present an award for the best reality program. At the time, a big brother won it and I had to be crossed live to Gretel Colleen and, and I presented it with Clinton Barter. The, 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 they called him the snake, the bad guy from Temptation Island. But, yeah, we're standing, I had to pinch myself because you're standing backstage Elton John's five metres away playing on the piano. Destiny's Child, as it was back in those days, was there with Sha- and Shakira. And I'm standing backstage about to walk out and I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, bloody nervy. I think that was, that was probably the most nervous I've ever been walking out to present that award. Do, do you, I know you've got a lot of tapes. Would you have the Logies on a tape somewhere from that? Yes, year? it'll be there somewhere. Oh, you I... know we're going to ask if you can, oh. if there's any of these. We'd love to see your original oh. audition tape and we'd love yes. to see you presenting the Logie. There's yeah. another roasting when you see the suit I'm wearing. Oh, God. <laughs> P- Did you appear like or... TV Week's best dressed or something like that? Oh, or? not that year. I don't know what I was thinking, but anyway. Wow. Uh, oh, look, wow. I will do my best to find it, and I'll see if I can send it to you. Now, I, you, did, you did mention about that mouse pad. We didn't even know the mouse pad existed until David Haas had one. He showed, we, That was the first we even knew about it, but his was not in good condition. He said uh, someone or a family member had had crossed out people's like photos as they were getting voted out. So that's the first yeah. one we've ever seen that looks in mint condition. So, Craig, hang on to that one. It could be... Worth a bit of money one day. Woohoo! Half a million? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Finally, finally, you might it's finally not worth get it. Half a million, I don't give a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, we've got to say 
absolute blast having a chat with you. I mean, we, we've spoken a lot off air and sort of, you know, you, you sort of joked and said, oh, I've got so much to tell. This be your longest interview. And, and, like, it has been by quite some distance. I don't know if we're going to top <laughs> this. But it's uh, it's been a blast because I think I will say this from my perspective, being the typical suck-up host that I am, that I, I've particularly really enjoyed covering your episodes. Uh, you know, we got a bit sad last week realising that, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to talk about Kadena anymore. No more Craig. No more Naomi. No more Famous Five. Any of that sort of stuff but it, I mean it has been a lot of fun being able to sit down with you tonight talk about all this stuff and uh, no doubt probably give you some deep down uh, regrets and thinking about why the hell have I opened this can of worm up 18 years later <laughs> no thank you it really has been an absolute pleasure um, hopefully after today I can go back to sleeping at night and I really <laughs> look forward to hearing from the other contestants and I hope they give me a roasting if I deserve it but Thank you again, and keep up the great work, guys. It's it's fascinating. I'm loving it. No, we, we we definitely appreciate it, Craig. We can still see that all these years later, we, you've got that passion still for the oh. game. And and yeah. when we when we interview guys that have played all those years ago, it's it's great to see that that fire is still inside you. And I can definitely see that with you. Yeah, it's definitely there. It's not going to go away. And, well, we're not going to go away, particularly if we have great interviews like that. Wow. Uh, Matt Dyson, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a three-and-a-bit-hour interview before. I mean, this is nothing to me. But uh, welcome to the world of uh, an interview being so good that you're sitting here for a long time and you realise, holy shit, my life has just changed in the last few hours because I probably lost a kid or job or because you didn't realise how long you were doing it for. Yeah, the three-hour mark is definitely a first for me, but it, it doesn't come as a, as a surprise. Like... How good is Craig Abbott? The guy the guy was brilliant when he played the game. He, he's brilliant now. He's looking fantastic. Still a massive fan of the game, although he hasn't watched it. He he, he loves the actual game itself, which is um very evident throughout that 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 uh that interview. And Ben, like th- this is what I love about doing this podcast. I, I always say it to you, but hearing these stories. Craig's has just added to it, and um, yeah, what were your thoughts on it? I know you're a big Craig fan yourself. Well, as I kind of mentioned at the end there, I, I've kind of fallen even more as a fan in, into Craig sort of through in this rewatch, and just, I mean, it's it's great. It's The pleasure of doing things like this from you and my perspective is that we're fans as well. We're, we're listening to Craig speak at the same time as the people at home are listening to this. So while we're asking the questions, we're learning as well. So, I mean, I've been lucky enough to interview hundreds upon hundreds of Survivor contestants, but every single time I'm learning something new. And as a fan, it's great to learn these things. So yeah, absolutely. Such a great insight. And, you know, we mark this down as one of the people that we wanted to absolutely get. We've been lucky enough to pretty much get everyone so far, but, uh, yeah, no, this was a this was a good get, and I've I've learned a lot today. And it's important for Ellis's to know, like we don't know what to expect when we go into an interview. It could end up just being an, an hour episode. Uh, we don't know how much they're going to want to tell us or the stories they have to tell. But you know, to get someone on like Craig, who was let's be honest, he was one of the biggest fan favorites of, of his season, and to get him on for a three hour plus interview um, is exactly what we're doing this podcast for now. Speaking of doing this podcast for interviews, uh, I think we're, we're going to have back-to-back interviews here. At least the plan is of, as of right now, and, and hopefully this will follow. You, of course, mentioned, Matt, big breakthrough last week that uh, you announced that you'd, you'd found him, you'd found Jeff. 
uh, and that uh, he'd agreed to an interview. So our plan is, as, as of right now, to air our, our interview with Jeff. So our first Tapara member, which... Funnily enough, happens just when we've run out of Kadena members anyway. Uh, but we're going to backtrack a little bit, get Jeff Brown on the show and have a bit of a chat with him, which I'm, I'm excited for. I know, I know sort of he was fourth boot on the show. Sort of it's been a while since we've talked about those early episodes. But uh, it's it's good to kind of tick off a, a Tapara member just as we're about to lead into the, the downfall of Tapara now that we're at the final seven. So uh, you bloodhound Matthew Dyson, I'm, I'm glad that this is going to be happening next week. And you better get excited, Ben, because it is. It's a huge moment. Our first Tapara member. We've done all these interviews, recaps, but we're only seeing it from the, the side of Kadena. So to now, to get Jeff on and and the rest of the Tapara tribe, it's, it's going to be great to see what was going on over at the Tapara camp. And we are going to be heavily Tapara focused for the remainder of this season, of course, <laughs> uh, with with all the blue that's happening. Uh, Eiffel 65 would be very happy with the following weeks. Uh, you know, it's a blue house, blue window, blue Corvette, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. If you've sat down in one session to listen to all of this, Matt Carano, that's you. Good job, mate. You've done well. If you've separated this into little parts and you've listened to this over a couple of days, I hope you've enjoyed every single part of this as much as we have in bringing this to you. Big thanks to Craig. And as always, please, if you're enjoying what we're putting out there, hit us up on our social pages, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on all the relevant channels or on Instagram as well. And remember, Matt Dyson did give us a bombshell last week that not only now is it 500 likes on Instagram and 1,000 likes on Instagram for his audition tape and the swinging on the vine, he said he's going to do it for any of the services. Did you decide if we can combine them yet, Matt, or is it still just one per thing at the moment? I'm still considering that, Ben. We'll have to wait and see. Let's let's wait and see how good this Jeff Brown interview is, because that's all I'm focused on right now. And then and then I'll I'll uh, reassess after that. Because I can I can tell you that if we were to combine them, you would be swinging on a vine. Just just letting you know, uh, we'd be just over the cusp of 500. So uh, you know. I shouldn't have told you that, should I? I should have just let you agree to it. No. Yeah. Oh, it gives well. me something to think about anyway. That's good. Uh, again, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks to Craig. Uh, this has been Australian Survivor Archives. My name is Ben, and I think I'm going to change my Black Forest chocolate to some crunchy chocolate. My name's Matt Dyson, and uh, Ben, I think I'm going to join you. That's a, that's a great little uh, new invention that uh, Craig's done. Yeah.